0: I wanted to help. I only wanted to help. I only wanted to help my only... I told
1: you to stay away.
0: Please, please. I told you to stay away! No! Why did you leave me? Because you're a jinx! Do you hear me? Milo was right! no,
1: no, no! No! no. to the I Am Nerd podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my co-host, Kenny. And today for episode Hell 38, yeah. we are going to be talking about the new hit for Netflix, uh, Arcane, which is a show based on League of Legends, a game that I have personally never played. I've seen some gameplay for it. It's been out for like a decade or more, and I know it's extremely popular, even still. It's one of the, biggest, one of the games. biggest
0: games of all time.
1: Yes, has some of the biggest prize pooling of all time as well. And I feel like it's one of the games that kind of pioneered big prizing for esports. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as I can remember, I'm sure there might have been some other ones, but League of Legends and like their world tour and the way they treat their competitors and all that crap, um, they've had really successful competitive success and the company being involved in the, the competitive success of the the series. Or I guess it's not even... A, the game itself is still the same game since like 2011 or whenever it came out.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And it's by Riot, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it's called Riot. But it's crazy that even a decade later, they're still just one of the biggest games in general. And also, their prize structure is so insane. I mean, I know about the prize structure because I always have to compare pretty much every other competitive game to Yu Gi Oh, which has some of the worst prizing structure imaginable and then yeah. i would hear shit about like league of legends getting a million dollars you know for prizing and it's crazy to think that some kid out there has won maybe half a million dollars for first place or some team has won half a million dollars for first place in a tournament um which is something that they probably love doing like playing the game
0: what's crazy to think about is all these games or whatever aren't created equal in terms of how much love they get from their creators.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but if you think about it, right? Like you won, you won a YCS, you won YCS Atlanta, and you've done very well in multiple other tournaments. Yep. Um, there is a person who is literally just you, like in terms of potential top skill level, that is basically Frazier, but did that in league of legends and made a million dollars. Yes. You know what I mean? Like j- just because you happen to love Yu-Gi-Oh and not League of Legends. Yeah.
1: I always say like, if um, I loved poker, right? Like, that also would have been a much yeah. bigger payout if I had been as successful as I was in Yu-Gi-Oh in a different thing like that. Like, even Magic, I think. Magic pays pretty well, too. Like, some of the world tours, they could get prizing in hundreds of thousands of dollars, so if you win something like that, that would be fucking nuts.
0: Yeah, and if you win a Pokemon card game tournament, I don't know, you get, like, a pack of cards or something.
1: <laughs> I think they get scholarships <laughs> or some shit like that.
0: They but, do. They do have, like, a lot of tournaments that are meant for... 'Cause they have different leagues. They have like junior league, trainer league, master league. Yeah. And yeah, I do I do think they give out scholarships and crap.
1: Yeah. So okay, as for this show Arcane though. When it comes to League of Legends, I love the fact that this this show was made in a way where you do not need to know the lore of any of the characters. You don't really need to know anything about them. In fact, I don't know any of the characters except Jinx. And the only reason I even know Jinx is because of Amanda LaPalm, who's a really big figurehead in the Yu-Gi-Oh! community. She's an amazing artist. She does, like, Oracle work. She now creates uh, high-quality deck boxes, high-quality playmats. She's developing some kind of dualist backpack. Uh, a messenger bag. She has a lot going on. She's basically a content creator, but also an actual like physical merchandise creator now too. And it's really cool to see her in that space. And she cosplayed as Jinx 10 years ago. And it was so good that people thought that she was lip syncing in the video. It's a video on YouTube if you look it up. Um, Amanda Palm Jinx cosplay. It'll probably come right up. It has millions of views now. And a lot of the comments are people literally going back and forth saying, you know, she lip synced this or whatever. And then she... I actually wrote a post a couple weeks ago saying like that wasn't lip sync that's actually me after doing hundreds of takes and just mm-hmm. trying to get the voice right uh but it's it's that good that people think that so Yes sir that's the only character that I know and from what I saw in that that 1 minute clip or however long it was of Amanda is that Jinx is clearly uh psychopathic Jinx is is very off that's what I get from the character she's very zany kind of like a uh, character from something that you see like in the Tom and Jerry era, like the Bugs Bunny era. Like she looked like she would fit right in in that cartoony. I don't really care about my surroundings and maniacal way. Also, very Harley Quinn esque.
0: Yeah, she's she's a wild girl. She's crazy.
1: Yeah, it almost seems like she can't get hurt. Like she has the tune power, the tune force behind her. Even
0: when she's got red eye, she's got that fucking red eye.
1: And this this show is is great for a lot of different reasons i think one of the things that i really really like about it it has a game of thrones feel to it and what i mean by that is it focuses on several different characters and somehow it doesn't feel clunky it doesn't feel like it's moving too fast the pacing is amazing i think and i I mean i don't know how you feel about that but they like the first three episodes are like act one and then it kind of goes into like the next six are them you know several years later how they responded to the events that happened in Act 1, how they've developed as characters. I just love the pacing of the show. I think it's done really well. It reminds me of the early seasons of Game of Thrones when it was based on the source material. And they don't overshoot and rush things too much, which I really, really, really appreciate. Very slow grind.
0: For me, the, the very first thing, and this is this is obvious, but the first thing that I was just in love with immediately was just the way the show looks. Yes, The art style, the way it's animated the the attention to detail to all the backgrounds and everything like everything looked so real and full of life there was always there was always a rando just walking around somewhere in the back. like they were in the city there was people in the background there's people moving around yeah. there was always stuff happening and
1: it's like paintings come to life it literally looks it, like it, someone's art come like coming to life in painting form it's it's beautiful it's a very beautiful show
0: yes it looks so good and then you know all of the things are animated well like it's not just really well animated fight scenes, which the fight scenes are really well animated. Also just every little thing when they're going and they're doing the parkour and they're running across the rooftops and jumping through the buildings, like everything looks really nice for all the little things they do and the little minute details of how they move around and how they interact with things is um really cleanly and well
1: done. And it's very atmospheric too. Oh yeah. Like also like feel of Pill Tower. Um it's very the, the way it looks, like that whole environment... A lot of the things are gilded. They have that gold going yeah. through them. I love the whole gilded... Everything, like the guns, the weaponry, all the enforcers' equipment is gilded. Uh, even Jace's apartment in episode one, when they went in there, a lot of things were gilded that they were stealing. I'm like, damn, this guy must be insanely rich, which clearly he is. But it's also just shows you the stark contrast between the top and the bottom, as they often refer to it as.
0: Yeah, uh, another thing they did, because for the most part, it seemed like you had to, like, go over this bridge and do all this stuff to kind of get to the bottom side or, or whatever the normal way, but after the time skip, um, when Viya gets out of prison, they show she kind of, like, gets there by, like, jumping down shit, and, like, it seems as though you can literally get there by just jumping down, yes. like, a whole bunch of shit. That happens shit multiple and, times, too. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. That happens um, in
1: episode one, like you like you just brought up, and then it happens later on when her and Caitlyn, uh, Vi and Caitlyn go down, they do the same, like, it's the same exact thing, except yeah. this, time, this time Caitlin's scared to jump down the way V is just going through all of the fucking roofs and everything just slide down real quick. They have that...
0: Yeah. Can I say this is really random, but I just thought of it because I'm looking at the background and she has, like, Vi tattooed on her face. Yeah. A long time ago, like, when I was actually, when I played League of Legends and stuff, which I didn't play much, but I played it a little bit, I assumed her name was Vi or V, but I, there was a part of me that always thought maybe her name is Six.
1: Yes, because it's, it's Roman numerals. It's,
0: yeah, I was like, maybe her name's Six, and I thought that for a long time, but uh, now, obviously, I know for sure her name's not Six, but it'd have been a cool name. I do
1: wonder if that means anything, like a double entendre type of, type of vibe. Yeah. Where the Six, because, it, it, I mean, that blatantly is Roman numeral Six, and then her name, her real name is Violet, I believe, and they call her Vi for short, and then you have Powder, which is such a soft name for a maniacal character. I can't get over that. Every time they call Jinx Powder, like, when I, when you're first watching it, episode one, I knew, obviously, I knew immediately that Powder was going to be Jinx. Like, I think everyone yep. who watched it probably knew that if you knew, if you knew who Jinx was prior. Uh, and like I said, that's the only character I knew. So I'm staring at this little girl who's super innocent, has all these gadgets that don't work and stuff, and I think to myself, okay, at some point, something's going to happen to make this girl lose it. Like, something is mm-hmm. going to happen to make this girl lose it, but I couldn't quite figure out where it was going, I mean, in the first scene they lose their parents, right? Like, yeah. They see their parents being killed, Vander's there, Vander kind of adopts them, they're in the slums, so their life I is immediately I love Vander, yo. Vander is oh, sick. He's so good, man. I, you know what's sad? Because I'm so used to being uh, hurt by characters like him, I knew he was going to die.
0: It's same. Like, same.
1: Because he was, he turned over a new leaf, he doesn't want to be the the brute anymore he even said i hope i never have to put those on again he has his gauntlets i'm over here doing fist movements on camera (laughs) but he has his gauntlets and he could fuck shit up with those but he he wanted to never have to use them again and he's basically like a pacifist now between piltover and the bottom uh the slums or the lanes all the different names that they call it he he acts now as basically the lord of the bottom he's the lord of you know that the Midgar area—it's very Final Fantasy VII Midgar vibe—and then you have, you know, above Midgar is like the regular world that's not all nasty and fucked over.
0: And he—he's been keeping things safe, keep, keeping things safe and more. Like it's still a, a crime town, but yes. he's been keeping things more in order and uh less so. Even though it's a place rife with crime, I feel like it's a place where you could walk around knowing Vander's around, where you don't have to be super worried about losing your life. Yes, because, you know, that like Vander kind of runs this place and he kind of keeps things in order. But we see and we see how drastically that changes after his death. Yeah,
1: Um, I really I I love so many things about him as a character. So like you said, he does keep in check the relationship between Piltover and the bottom. Uh, There's the one scene really, really early on in the bar. It's one of the coolest scenes. The one one guy, he's a scrawny little scientist looking kind of dude. And he's pretty much in a rough negotiation with somebody who they agreed on a price. And now the guy and the girl who are very, they're much bigger than him. They're much more intimidating. They have weapons and all types of shit. And they're offering him a much smaller price for what they already agreed. To
0: yeah, pay. and they were like, they were like, negotiations change.
1: Yeah, just on some bully type shit. They were just mm-hmm. on some straight up, we're going to just... At one point, I think that the girl, she puts a knife or a gun in front of him and says, you know, pick pick which, which one you want. And that's when Vander shows up. And I didn't know what it like. I didn't know where it was. I knew where it was going, but I didn't know exactly where. I love when he kind of like moved to the side, and you saw the entire bar was turned at that table. (laughs) He said, "Around here, we stick together." And I thought that that shit was so fire to me. Like,
0: I love that shit.
1: I love Vanderman. Like that entire that that scene to me is like protecting even the weakest of you. Like that guy is not a fighter. You could tell he's not a fighter. What I love about it, though, the way that guy was talking in a negotiation, he wasn't accepting their bullshit at any moment. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like he knew, like, here you're not going to just come here and bully me into some nonsense. Like, he wasn't backing down. He didn't, like, reach for the bag of a small amount of money. He kind of just, like, was about to say something and then Vander jumped in and interjected yeah, was like this hey.
0: isn't what we agreed to. Yeah, like, we didn't agree to he this. He was like,
1: No, 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 no. I did not agree to this. Like that's not how <laughs> this works. <laughs> yeah. And then Vander moved aside. You saw the whole bar. I said, Yeah, they don't want those problems.
0: And they yeah. were talking shit too. They were like, This doesn't concern you. And he was just, just sat down. He was like, Oh, you know, and he just sits down. I don't remember exactly what he said, but they're talking shit. And yeah, like you said, they saw the whole fucking bar. Yeah. And to be fair, to be fair, they didn't need the whole Vander could have could have housed both of them.
1: Right. Yeah, you could. But, yeah, well, knowing we you know now, a hundred percent, they feel <laughs> no fucking chance.
0: But they, the whole bar was like, "No, nah, we're family." Like you don't. And it's cool because you know, like that's definitely one of those like roughhouse bars where Yo, you probably get in a few bar fights and all this other shit. But it's one of those things where if somebody comes in and messes with that guy. Like now, that guy's your brother, and you're yes. like, "Whoa, hold up!" That's no, how I can punch him in his face. It's kind of like you but got to chill out.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> we have the same relationship in the Yu-Gi-Oh community. Especially when I was growing up in the Yu-Gi-Oh community, I, I'm I'm a very small guy. I am five six in real life, so I'm pretty small. But a lot of my friends are way bigger than me. And if any time we would ever get into some situation where like somebody might be trying to like harp, press me, or bully me in any kind of way, the entire locals would just like rise up. that situation so that scene made me happy because i was like damn that's that's real life like when you have friends like that that's really how it goes i've been in situations literally like that where somebody tries to press me and then my friends literally step up and like what the fuck are you doing Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i don't have to say i don't have to say or do anything at that point it's like all right well this is now now you got to deal with them now you gotta deal with them (laughs) and oftentimes the people don't even realize that someone is like with you or has your back like that and that's what made it great too yeah they clearly didn't know that that guy is as small and scrawny as he might have looked, had the strength of a fucking a jungle behind him.
0: Yeah. That reminds me of, uh, there's this is a really long time ago, but I remember I was probably seventh or eighth grade. We're in the locker room mm. and, uh, I had like beef. I kind of like just went to this new school, but there was one kid there that I was already previously like good friends with. Yeah. So we're there. I'm in a new school and lunchtime, like the day before, This guy like bumps me over and like he like reaches over the table, bumps me over, like knocks over like my drink or whatever. And I start cursing. I'm like, yo, what the fuck's wrong with you? And he's like a big, like he's big as shit. But I start cursing him out. And then we almost fight in the lunchroom and we get broken up, whatever. And everybody's like, dude, are you fucking crazy? Look look how big he is. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I don't fucking care. Like I'm trying to eat. (laughs) Yeah. And so anyway, uh, the next day, like in the locker room, we're there. And I'm a new kid, so most people look at me as if, like, he has nobody to have his back. They don't realize that, like, I'm already really good friends with this one other guy. His name was Kwame. He was one of my best friends for, like, my whole life. Um, so, anyway, we start staring off. And in the middle of it, right before we start fighting, Kwame comes up. And he stands on, like, one of the benches. And he's short. He's shorter than me. And the guy we're... Going up against his big, he stands on a bench. He's like, No, nah, fuck that. He's like, You fighting him, you fighting me too. And he's like, You gonna fucking fight both of them. And like he just starts popping the fuck off. And he was a little dude too, so he was like, You will to fucking fight both of us. Like, that Napoleon syndrome,
1: up. Man, no joke.
0: Yeah, so it just I love moments like that when it's like nah, like you have people that really have your back no matter what is happening.
1: Yeah, like, no, Vander is like as fuck, And he's he has that, that typical uh Ned Stark vibe and that might have been his downfall yeah. in some in some way, right? He's a little too nice now in his older age because clearly when he was young, he was known to be a beast. Same thing with Ned Stark. So I compare him to that character a lot. And I compare yeah. him to the show to Game of Thrones a lot with how it switches scene to scene, different characters in completely different parts. Of the same city, I guess? Uh, not necessarily in different nations, except, you know, when Mel's mom comes. But, like, earlier on, it's pretty much all had This is all happening in one gigantic city, and it has a top and a bottom area. The top is obviously where the rich folk live, and the bottom is the slums. And Vander is so cool, but then he also has these four children, and I love them a lot in those first three episodes, and what I would call the prologue of the show. Uh, you know, Powder, V, um, I think Milo, and the other one is Clagger. They're, like, his... His four kids.
0: Yeah, and it's adopted kids, yes. just in case anybody Clair, doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, they're very clearly adopted. Um, because, yeah, he knew uh, Vi and Powder's real parents. And then in terms of Milo and Clagger, uh, I never remember his name. But in terms of those two, uh, I'm assuming they're adopted as well. I yeah. don't think we get confirmations whether or not they're his actual kids or if they're adopted. But I'm just assuming they're adopted as well.
1: Yeah, I think they are. And they, they go in episode one to basically... Rob a place that they know has some 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 loot from Echo who told them about it. And they get there, you know, they got a bunch of shit in the guild, a bunch of gilded items, throw them in a the bag. And then Powder finds these little blue crystal orb things that are like really sparkly. You know, she puts them in her back pocket instead of putting them with all the other loot. And as they're escaping, because the guy comes home, they put a, like a chair under the door. As they're escaping, they start running out. And one of... Those little blue orb things like bounces on the ground, and mm-hmm. literally it hitting up against the wall created a fucking explosion that like destroyed a big chunk of the building and caused the whole scene. They get away, and then when they get away, they run into an alleyway where now you get the get now you get the vibe of where they come from. As soon as they get to the slums to the lanes, they're met with immediate someone trying to press them and yep. take their shit. Like, oh, we'll let you pass if you give us the loot. And then they fight for it. And it is one of the grittiest, grimiest, nastiest, dirtiest, knockdown, dragout fights I've ever seen. Like, it is a... They are fest. rumbling. They are legit rumbling, though. Like, <laughs> it's a it's a street fight. It is a very hardcore street fight. I love it. It is.
0: They are bleeding. Noses are fucked oh, up. Like,
1: and you get to see that V is very clearly a tomboy, if you didn't know already from her, just, like, the way she navigates on the roofs and stuff, jumping back and forth. But also... When she's fighting, like she gets punched in the face by guys, and she's just like right back in there, spitting out blood, you know, put fixing her nose, all types of shit, like very aggressive, very tomboy. She's yeah, the
0: shit. <laughs> she is,
1: she's she's little Vander. It's interesting because that's not his real daughter, but she definitely takes after him a lot with the fisticuffs. Yep. And I yep, mean, that's yep. that's done on purpose by the writers. I love that she's very inspired by him. And later on, when she gets the equipment, which we'll talk about, but I do like her in that fight. Also, Clagger fucking held it down though. Because one thing I love about groups of friends, you always have that one guy that's big, like he's just bigger than everybody, and even if he's like he's chubby, maybe or he's just like the tallest and also maybe the widest. Klagger is that, and but he's not soft. Like Klagger, Klagger was on some shit in that street fight. I don't know if you remember, but he was putting in work. He slammed my man. I thought the fight was over. He, He picked the one guy up and just fucking slammed him down. I was like, oh my god, violence! I love it. Like I love. I love how gritty, like, we're from the streets, we're from the trenches. I'm not trying to Mm -hmm. do that shit. Y'all not taking our stuff. No way. Like, y'all not
0: going to just fucking try to sun me.
1: Yeah, they ran that fade. I love it. And then there was that one cool part where where they walk away and the one guy pulls out a knife. Now he's on some, now he's escalated to somewhere it doesn't need to go. Y'all got your ass beat. Y'all lost. Mm -hmm. Take your loss and keep it moving. But he pulls out a blade... And V turns around, walks over to him. Is like, do you really want to see how that goes? And she's like, <laughs> she's like face to face with the blade. So you already yeah, the know the knife
0: is like on her fucking chin. Like it is there.
1: It's literally in her face. He could move it forward and it would start cutting her. And I, what I love about what that shows is that she's hard as nails. This girl has been hardened by the world. Uh, even if she didn't necessarily grow up where where she is currently, she's been hardened so much because she's had to be an older sister to Powder. So naturally, she had to be strong. And I and I get. That storyline, because we've seen that plenty of times where you have two siblings, one of them older, parents go, you know, parents die in, in some kind of tragic way. And then you have to kind of pick up the slack. And now you're basically the parent. Yep. And so it forces you to grow up fast. So, V, I don't know how old she is. I really don't know how old any of the characters are, but she's very clearly more mature than whatever her actual age is.
0: Yeah. I'm going to guess like in the start of the show, I don't know, 16 maybe that 16, 15 fair, yeah. and powder powder is probably like 11 or 12 or yep. something.
1: I, I agree to both of those. Cause powder is definitely a teenager after the time skip and V I would say it's an adult. So I, I agree with those, those ages. Like they're very clearly teenager and uh preteen is, yeah. is what I would give to them. If I just had to put like a number on, I don't, I didn't Google the actual ages of them. If that information is actually public, but
0: yeah, I'm sure it is. But I, yeah, it's just kind of my guess. Yeah.
1: And when um, you, what you get from the very beginning of the story is that Powder is very... So the name Jinx Fitz, they 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 drop that point home a lot in the, in the prologue. They make sure that in all three episodes, you see why she develops that name. Every time she's in a situation, things go wrong. And Milo is very annoyed with her. He doesn't like her coming on missions. He doesn't like her being around, basically. Um, she's just annoying to him because she's not his real sister right so to him it's like this extra baggage that keeps causing us to lose out on opportunities and we don't get many good opportunities down here where we're from so we need everything we can to eat well Yep. and here comes powder fucking shit up again and you see that when they run away from those guys powder gets chased by a guy and she throws the loot into the fucking ocean And which I thought at first I was like oh maybe like somebody will die for but that shit was just gone
0: it shit was just gone I was was like damn like it really was just straight up gone. I, thought I definitely gonna thought somebody's going to go for it. A hundred percent.
1: You couldn't tell me that somebody wasn't going to go get that loot.
0: But yeah, it, it was gone. I um I thought it was cool because yeah, Milo was bitching about that a lot. But then you know, there was the part where Vibe was, was talking to him and she was like, she was talking because he was complaining about powder and she was like, yeah, you know what about fucking? Oh hey, we just got a good haul or whatever. Because uh, when they came down when they started to get in that little alley fight, like Milo said something when they asked. He said something about getting a good haul, or, like, yeah. we got a good haul. And Vibe was like, why the fuck would you tell them that? Like, And so he kind of, like, you know, she big, sister, she big sisters them all. Yeah, she, she basically
1: like, was saying, like, you're fucked up too, in your own way. You know what I mean? Like, you're not perfect yeah, either. Yeah. And he didn't do that well in that, in that fight, by, just by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Milo got
1: pretty <laughs> fucked up, if I recall. Like, the one guy was on top of him beating up, beating his face at that one point. I'm like, damn, like, so... On a,
0: real, this is a super side note, but uh, on... I wonder if her name actually is powder. I know everybody calls her powder, and her name probably is just powder. But something I, I thought of was um how Vi always calls uh Catherine Cupcake. Like as you see in like part two. Yeah. She always calls her cupcake. So I it made me think, I wonder if powder's not her name. Vi just calls her powder and like it kind of stuck and everybody called her powder because it's kind good, of like a cutesy name.
1: It is because she calls Caitlin cupcake just because she's sweet. Yeah. So that's so, a good point.
0: That's just something I thought of.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, continuing on from that, uh, Vander finds out about what happens, obviously, and he's really upset because he knows what this means. Now you have the enforcers coming down from Piltover, and they're coming down to basically figure out what happened. They heard about four kids. They're on the right They track. want their
0: pound of flesh. They do. Like, it, it makes it very clear that they want to pound the flesh.
1: And they say that. Literally, <laughs> Vander says, I know that you guys need your pound of flesh. But there's this one enforcer who's really cool, for the most part. She basically... Uh, is has a relationship with Vander, where her and him work together to kind of keep the peace. So mm-hmm. they they have like this nice relationship. You might even say that she's a little bit crooked because of this, because the way she kind of like uh, she sends the one and force her out. But so she, yeah, so yeah. he doesn't, so he doesn't hear the conversation because he clearly doesn't even know that this relationship exists between Vander and her. Like he doesn't. You could tell. I think his name is Marcus, and he ends up becoming the sheriff after she dies, but he doesn't know what's really going on. And so she has this nice relationship with Vander. And, you know, she's with it. She's with keeping the peace. She understands that, like, I know that this should happen. Look, they blew up a building. He said, were there casualties? She said, of course there were casualties. Like, if you saw the mess that they made, people died, Hmm. for sure. Which, it was interesting, because they didn't actually show death when the building exploded, right? But it's it's kind of assumed, and then she confirms it. Like, yeah, people definitely died from that explosion. The building
0: exploded. There was debris falling. Like, there was people right under where that building was.
1: Yes, it's very Another thing
0: to note, when you said, like, she's like, that's true in terms of what the laws are for, like, where she works, like, she would be considered crooked because she's, yeah. like, dealing, she's doing deals with these people, but yes. in in terms of morality, I'd argue that, you know, obviously she's on the straight and narrow.
1: Yeah, I right? like It's one of those
0: character. things where, where the laws don't necessarily align with morality, and yep. she's... Crooked for the laws in order to be straight for morality, which I think is cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes her a likable character. I definitely liked her because of that relationship she has with Vander. I mean, she's cool with Vander, she's cool with me.
0: Word. <laughs> Fucking word. Yeah.
1: And so they were trying to work out a deal. But she said, listen, at the end of the day, like something's going to have to give with this situation. Somebody's going to have to come forward. We're going to have to take somebody in. And it, it, it comes down to, long story short, he forks himself over as the pound of flesh, you know, he offers to be handcuffed and everything, but, uh, the, the, kids don't want that to happen, especially V, like, she's revised, she, she really doesn't want that to happen, she sees it, he, like, locks her in a basement at one point, and she sees the conversation going down, and him basically giving himself up for, for her, literally for her, and, uh, that's, like, the beginning of where shit starts to go left, the rest of it is essentially developing the character Jace, who's another protagonist. So I would say that this show focuses around three people as like the main three people. is obviously Powder Slash, Jinx, Vi, and Jace. Those are like the three protagonists, I would say. Yeah. They're the, in a way, the uh, Daenerys, the Jon Snow, and the, the Tyrion. They're like those three. It's like these are the three characters that are from the beginning to the end. They survive the entire show. And their relationships between themselves is clearly what the show focuses on the most. So... When you watch episode one, you see everything from the perspective of, you know, the children and the bottom. But then episode two, and this is something that my favorite, one of my favorite animes does is uh, Death Parade. Episode one shows you the perspective of something. You watch the episode, you see the perspective of something. And then episode two shows you the same exact sequence of events, but from a completely different perspective. Yep. So when episode two starts, it starts from the part where the apartment started to uh, Jace, the guy who actually owned the apartment they robbed... He comes home and it goes from the part where uh Vi puts the chair under the door and then the fucking blue little rock thing explodes and he gets caught in that explosion. He doesn't die. But he's also with Caitlin, who's super young too, and they're like clearly very close. And he gets hit by it, and then they find out like what was taken, and then his it's this whole thing about the technology that he was developing is dangerous. And you got one of my favorite characters, Heimerdinger. I, love, I this. love that little I little love him. furball. He's so cute. I he's wa- the shit. I need to pop him immediately. I want one so bad. He's so adorable. Like I would love to have one in reality, like a a little whatever the fucking species he is. I want one.
0: Yeah, he's the he's he's the best. He's very wise. Something that he's very wise. He has a lot of knowledge to sort of bestow on people.
1: Yes, and he's lived for three hundred years.
0: Yeah, he's old as
1: shit. He's lived for three hundred years.
0: And something that happens that's um. That can be frustrating while you're watching it is as the show goes on, these people that are younger that have a much shorter scope of time and the world, um, they argue with them and they they you know say things and he's just like I've seen what this stuff does like yes. I don't think you people understand and you know by the end of the series like that like magic starts to get a little out of hand and it causes you know quite a lot of problems where if they didn't try to develop these things and develop these weapons like there becomes. That thing, there's a part where they develop tools, so to speak, to make it easier to like mine and do other things. Yeah,
1: but they're weapons. And then he's
0: <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, These are weapons. Like you like these are going to be used to kill people. And yes. they're like, No, 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 they're they're for helping people. He's like, No, they're not. Yeah. Like, they need a couple more years in the oven.
1: Someone even says uh when a weapon is created, it will be used.
0: Yeah. There's I think a line. it's Mel's mom. Mel yes, is um, somebody says it, that she's Absurdly beautiful. Oh she has like this really cool eyeliner, God. and it's like gold. It has like the gold stripe, and like the way her hair is done. Mel
1: is so she, <laughs> yo, she is beautiful, beautiful. So when they eventually, I hope that we're alive for it. When they eventually do a live action version of this show, because that's going to happen. And I think, <laughs> I think, I think this show can handle it because it's it's grounded. It's very grounded. I think this show will be amazing to see whatever. Beautiful black girl to get to play Mel because <laughs> Mel is drop that gorgeous as an animated character. You can just tell I couldn't,
0: dog. I could, I every scene she was in, I was like, Oh my and god, like, I, every scene she was in, I was I like, I even
1: love holy shit. I even love how the animators show like her curviness and stuff. Do you notice how the camera flirts with? yeah, her body? yeah. Like as she's yep. walking away, or it kind of pans from the bottom up. It shows her curves. It shows like all. Her, it's beautiful. Like she's she's very beautiful. The the art style is very beautiful, and then the, the cinematography of the show is also done so immaculate. It's really really good. But she is a wonder to look at.
0: She is. I love the the once. So typically her hair is like all done when you see her most times. But then there's one or two scenes where you see her like in bed, and her hair is like all out, yeah, and like as long as all as super out and shit, and like. It's just like they did a great job with making her hair correct, like not making yes. her hair just like anybody else's hair, making her hair fit who she is and just the way she looks is great. And then so anyway, the person who said that line I think is her mom. And when her mom shows up toward like the le- last three or so episodes, yeah, I wanna say it's the last
1: three, last two at
0: the Um her mom is buff as hell. Yes. Her mom is a war god. Yes. Like she's a but I think she's too. the one that says that. She is a man-eater, yo. But, uh, yeah, she shows up and she says, I think she's the one that says, like, you know, weapons Weapons will be used. Like, if they're yeah. made, they'll be used. Because Mel's, Mel's saying, like, we don't want to use the weapons. Like, if we make weapons, we just want to defend ourselves from people like you. And she's like, she was like, get get a hold of yourself. Like, if a weapon's made, it'll be
1: used. Yeah, because she says Piltover is not Noxus. It's not this war country We're we're basically all for progress in science. And I know that they probably do want to believe that. Like, honestly, yeah. Mel probably wants to believe that. Of course, Jace wants to believe that because it's his technology we're talking about here. and his and Victor's. But yeah, they they definitely want to believe that. They don't want to believe Heimerdinger when he says, you know, this shit is dangerous. It's going to lead to some catastrophic events. Uh, and you start to see slowly, like you said, these things start to unfold over time. But it's a very slow progress towards it. Speaking of the word progress, that's kind of the whole thing about this show is, and this, this is a parallel to, to real life. So. You think about things that we've created in real life, like the atomic bomb, right? And this show is clearly showing us that this is their version of that. What they're creating is is essentially like nukes. That's what's that's what that's what it's coming to. Um, we created the atomic bomb, which somewhat argue, oh, it's progress. We're like learning how to split an atom and create massive amounts of energy, right? But then at the same time, it creates massive destruction. And what is its real purpose? Like where where is this applicable? besides ending millions of lives. I mean, you think about Hiroshima and yeah. Nagasaki, now, luckily there hasn't been any other nuclear catastrophes since then, right? Like, we've never had another nuclear incident. But it's scary to think about that the the, the word progress, in a way, also means better ways to kill each other. And that's what yeah. Heimerdinger is all... He's afraid of it because in his little flashbacks, they kind of show little scenes of whatever he's lived through. He's seen, he said, yeah. I've seen civilizations end in a blink of an eye.
0: He's seen... He's... Yeah, he's seen all, in his 300 years of being alive, he's seen what magic can do, what people do, like, when when people are doing things for the right reasons, how eventually that leads to somebody using that, because here's the thing, you can't control how your invention is used after you died. Exactly. Let's say Jace made amazing, helpful inventions for everyone, and nothing went wrong for his whole lifespan, but 10 years after he dies, who's to say that some other genius doesn't then take this and go, oh, but... But look at that land over there that has so many resources, and we need those resources because our people are running out of resources, and we're going to die. And now he takes those and he makes them into weapons, and now they, they're invading other countries to get resources. You know, like, yeah.
1: whenever,
0: whatever great scientific advancement you make, as great as it is, you never know, you have no control of what's going to happen, how many lives that's going to end, you know, after you die or while you're still alive or, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, one of the first things that he makes is the hex gem, and he uses it to power up an arm and. It's one of his first. Well, he thinks is a tool, but the first time he shows it off, it's very clearly a gauntlet weapon. I mean, if as soon as I saw that,
0: I was like, "Well, Vi gets that at the end." Oh, like, Vi no, get, as soon no, as I saw that, I was like, "Well, Vi puts those on."
1: No <laughs> question. When he shows it off, because it's like for the progress day thing, he's showing off applicable ways to use the technology and stuff. And when he shows it off, obviously, you know, it, it's cool. Like it's very cool, and it can be used for mining, but it all could be. It also could be used for punching somebody in the fucking face.
0: It could be used like, for taking someone's fucking chest out.
1: Yes. It's very, uh, and then he has like this hammer, which, you know, again, could be used for, for excavating shit, but it also could just be used to bash someone's fucking skull in. So it's, it's very interesting. He means well. He, he really does. He doesn't, he's so short sighted. That's like Jace's thing. He's very, very mm-hmm. short. His thing is in the immediate moment, I want to make this better. And I'm not really too concerned about, how it could turn out in a bad way. I can only see the positive. So he, when he talks about the hex gates and how now trade routes are all open and shit between countries, they can like move products between each other fast as hell. They even show off the hex gate really early on, how literally ships are just teleporting out of the fucking gate. And and how some of the councilmen who are like very clearly corrupted, they have all types of little things going on between countries, and they even make one comment about how if you shut down the hex gates, how are we going to go back to the age where wine won't arrive for months like how am i going to tell my my customers that the wine yep. they usually send them won't get there for for a month's time like that's 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 un- that's unacceptable now
0: yeah because he wants to shut them down uh you know, because there's a lot of shit going on and things are going bad and all the other councilmen like they have some arguments here and there there's even that scene where mel and jace are there talking and mel explains to him like all the corrupt things each councilman has oh, going yeah. on i like that part and how. Yeah, and he, she was like, Well, you have a target on your back. It, like going to, like doing this one thing puts all of these people against you. Yeah, because he so, tried like, to the shit down. To,
1: yeah. He came in playing like so he's very clearly again, good intentions. He's like the good cop, the super good cop though. The Ned Stark. Yeah. He's a little too he's actually he's very much like Ned Stark as well, because if she didn't if she didn't tell him like chill out on all your yeah. overzealous uh, morality shit that you're on right now. You're, he probably was going to get killed.
0: It was almost like looking at Ned Stark and Cersei on the same team.
1: Yes. Because I right? do get like, this vibe from Mel. She's not all the way good. She's a seductress to me.
0: She always, every scene she was in, after I said, God damn. Like after looking yeah, at her and saying, God damn. Yeah. The second thought every single scene was, what is she planning? Like, yeah. What does she have
1: going on? She gives me an undercover evil vibe, but towards the end of this series i kind of was like okay maybe not when her mom came you see that she's very yeah. she's actually genuine at least for now She's she's very genuine in how she feels about uh piltover not being like her moms were like country and yes. not wanting to replicate using the technology to progress towards we're a strong nation and we're an oppressive nation that like we'll destroy any other by any any other uh, nation that tries to rise up against us she doesn't she doesn't want to be that way so i kind of they they don't show that to the end though where her mom comes but up yeah. into that up into that moment, I definitely looked at her like, maybe she's evil and she's she's kind of manipulating him the whole show. Like the whole show yeah. basically Jace is her little place. She sleeps with him at one point.
0: And I Dude, think- that one scene where I legit she sleeps with him and then they kind of get like huggy dovey emotional. He goes and lays on her lap, and it's like opening up to her. And my immediate thought, when you look at the look on her face, her face is like, "I didn't sign up for this emotion shit." Like, yes. Like immediately, she like he's opening up to her. Like you can tell he's kind of falling for her, yeah. and she isn't really there. She's kind of like,
1: I think okay. that she physically wanted him, like the mom. Yeah, she has that like. She might not think that she's like her mom. She kind of expresses that sentiment often, but she actually is, in some ways, like her mother. And I think that the whole being hard towards men is one of them because you also have to think about how a woman like her got to the position she's in. The world that we're watching is also clearly run by men, it's a very male dominant world. You can see that. So, her getting to the position that she's in one, nepotism, right? Her mom is this high ranking fucking general from like another country that's, uh, you know, aggressive. But then. Also, you see how wise she is. You see from a young age, the lessons that her mom was instilling in her. That one flashback where Mel's a kid and her Mm -hmm. mom is talking to her. Her mom kills somebody in front of her that Mel wanted to show mercy to.
0: Yeah. And then she was like, wolves don't show mercy. And she told her you
1: have to be both a wolf and a fox. Mm -hmm. And so Mel has it in her, whether she wants to admit that or not, she is a wolf and a fox. And I love the way she kind of moves like it too throughout the show. Yep. Constantly, you're wondering what is her true intention? She's always pushing Jace forward. She's putting the batter in his back often. She's even setting up little shit with the council. Um, she even kind of is on his side with the whole. Less Heimerdinger's old, and perhaps he can't see the future because he's old. She kind of puts that up. shit hurt
0: me, yo. It when did. they voted Heimerdinger off the council, like that <laughs> shit hurt,
1: man, yeah. yo. It happened so quick. I didn't like that. That was one of the things I did <sighs> not like. They just voted my man. They just came to a quick agreement. Like yo, Heimerdinger's off the council. I was like, what the fuck? He's the oldest oh. one on the council.
0: Yeah. I- I was like, man, that shit hurt. I was like, we all, you guys, don't realize that this could potentially be leading you to ruin because but he is a voice of reason.
1: It's greed, and I understand. Like, it, it happened a little fast for my liking. Even though I like the pacing of the show in general, that part was a little quick—the way they just voted him out. But I think that what we're supposed to get from that is that at the end of the day, corruption and greed kind of overrule the uh, yeah. sound minds. So yep. he's the voice of reason in every scenario, in every scenario, and then you have. The rest of the council is like, well, this shit has been breaking into cash. These hex gates, the technology that you're proposing that we're going to have soon, that they can mine better, and all this other stuff. It sounds to me that like we're going to be very, very rich, and we want a very rich society. And we have some shareholders, some stockholders. Mel even mentioned that I have some investors, and mm-hmm. Jace was like, investors. She's like, yeah, like this is going to be big. This is not. This is not the little leagues. Like I'm bringing in. I'm bringing in some some money. And at the end of the day. When they voted Heimerdinger out, I was like, okay, they're voting him out because they want they want it to be all about progress in a sense of let's make more money, like like corporations, yeah. like today's corporations, yeah. literally that.
0: And whereas Heimerdinger has a longer view, he's not he doesn't really care about being rich and making a ton of money. No, that doesn't mean he sees to him. He sees you know the water for what it is and what and what people will do in it. So
1: yeah, imagine it, it, it hurt, hurt me though,
0: you know, yo. And he saw. He said, like, he saw the fall, like, the rise and fall of nations.
1: Yo, when Jace went to show him some of the technology, it fought, the gauntlet fired a fucking laser at his little animal. Yeah, yeah. And the and animal had a little like, bandage on for the rest of the show. His little and, that's, cute yeah, and
0: that's when he said, he was like, oh, yeah, like, this is great. He was you guys are doing great work. It needs a couple years. <laughs> yeah. Give it, like, ten years. And then they were like, ten years? <laughs> yeah. He was like, well, it's not ready. because it's ready now. Well, I know it's not.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because when he says ten years, you gotta think about that from a human perspective. Yeah. To him, and this is this is the thing about perspectives again, going back to that point about episode one, episode two, seeing the same thing from different perspectives. I think the show kind of does that a lot, right? So with Heimerdinger and Jace's conversation, when he says 10 years, that's such a small amount of his life.
0: Yeah. And also For Jace, that might be like half his life at that point. Or, it's, you know what I mean? Like Jace is maybe, you know, 25, 30 years old.
1: He definitely gives me 20, like mid 20s. He's he's definitely like mid twenties, maybe late 20s, but def not 30. I don't think he's 30. Yeah, but, but he uh, yes, for him, ten years for first of all, for a human period, ten years is a lot of time. Yep. In the last ten years, I've changed so much, and I just think about how like I've you know I've obviously experienced family loss in ten years. A lot of things have happened and ten years is so long for humans, but for him, ten out of three hundred is so much smaller. It's so insignificant. Yeah. So,
0: and he's got years to spare. Like it doesn't look like he's dying anytime. That's soon. what I
1: was gonna say. This little <laughs> motherfucker that looks like he's not on his way out.
0: Yeah, like, he's got years to spare.
1: It doesn't look like Heimerdinger's on his way out at all to me. So, when he says that, and it's just so matter-of-fact, like, yeah, give it another decade. It's like, another fucking decade? <laughs> but then also with perspectives, and why I, I really do like this show a lot, and I can't wait to see where it goes... Uh, yeah, past, this
0: show's a million percent getting a season two.
1: Yeah, especially the way it concludes. But, but with perspectives, you, you know, Powder and Vi, slash Jinx and Jinx, Powder and Vi... Uh, that whole thing where in the early days in the prologue, there's a scene like you brought up where Milo and Vi are talking to each other, and he this is one of the first times the word jinx comes up. He calls her a jinx, and Vi defends her sister, right? But when Powder's listening, she hears only the bad part. Yeah, and in a second she she like walks away after that, so she doesn't hear the part where Vi's like, "Nah, my sister's cool. Like, yep. she's not a jinx. Lay off her, you know." We all make mistakes, blah, blah, blah. She's young. You know, all that. stuff. She defends her sister. At the end of the day, in every scenario, and this is consistent throughout the show, Vi stands up for her sister. And there's only one real time where, and she kind of messes up. And it's it's when Vander dies. And I get it because before that, they've shown you she's kind of like fed up a bit. You know, she's defended her, defended her, defended her. And we, it's only three episodes in at that point, and And it's, it's come to a boiling point. Now, a lot of people have died because of what Powder has done. She was told to stay back. And she didn't. So I guess before we get into that, we should probably talk about Silco because he's a big part of the show. He's the villain of the show, mm-hmm. and as an antagonist, he's actually a really cool antagonist. The backstory with him is that him and Vander used to be like brothers, like the two leaders of the 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 lanes. The yeah, the slums they also, area.
0: they helped lead like the uprising against yeah. the the upside top y- side.
1: Yep, and it doesn't go well, right? But uh. Silco can't let it go. He wants to continue fighting. And Vander knocks him out. And that's how he ends up. And he like puts him under the water. And that's how he ends up with that shit on his face. It's like one side of his face is messed up. The left side has a really fucked up eye. And then it's like scarring, like severe scarring. And his skin color is also he looks like he's undead.
0: When I Yeah, he does look fucked up.
1: When I first saw him, because of how the stark contrast between his skin and everyone else's, I was like, is this guy a fucking zombie that's just like alive still? But (laughs) but no, he's 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 alive and well. And he is essentially the biggest trafficker of the highly popular drug Shimmer. It's like some purple substance comes from this plant. It looked like when they showed it in one scene. Uh, but it's this substance that essentially boosts what anything can do. It's not—I thought it was just humans, but it can—it can be used on animals and it can be used in weaponry. So Shimmer has a lot of applications. It's kind of like an opposing force of the technology that Jace is developing. Yeah, and, and I guess that they were kind of drawing that parallel because there's a fight between. Uh, Sevika, which is Soko's like second in command, and Vi, they have a fight. And Vi is using technology from the Hex Core, and Sevika is using technology from the Shimmer. And like her arm is all she puts the Shimmer tubes inside of it, and then it like powers it up and stuff. So you yeah. see, and it also
0: injects into her somewhere in there too, because you can see like her veins start to go purple yes. and shit.
1: And so the first time we get to see Shimmer use it was used on a rat that a cat was about to eat and the rat got so buff that it killed the cat really, really quickly. Mm. And then it gets used on a human shortly after that. The same human that Vi was fighting in the alleyway, who pulled a knife on her, uh, she beats his ass, and then he's essentially used later on by Silco to test Shimmer out on a human. So this is early days. This is like before they really start understanding how it affects humans. So he's one of the first human trials. And it turns him into essentially a monster.
0: It makes yeah, he him, becomes an ogre. He gets real big. His like muscles burst out and it looks, it's almost like body horror in a way. Like the way he like buffs out and gets real big. It's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of it shit. It is
1: body horror. Yeah. I like that. I like that terminology because one side of his body is, is asymmetrical. It's giga- yeah. one gigantic arm and a big shoulder. The other arm is not nearly as big. One leg might be bigger than the other. His, his neck is huge and pulsating. You can see all his veins and he doesn't look well. He can't really speak either. Um, but he's very able to, he's, he's clearly very able to follow order still. And he goes to where Vander is negotiating with the enforcers. So Vander's turning himself in. Benzo and Echo are kind of watching this happen, unfold. And Benzo comes out of the bar and he's like, you know, the enforcers are, they're on their nonsense, right? They're clearly on their bullshit. Vander sent the message up to his friend. And before they can even get there to like, kind of like ease everything, ease the tension. The fucking guy who's been pumped with Shimmer comes out, and he just immediately starts killing the Enforcers. Then Benzo hops in front of, like, Vander, and he kills him immediately, too. Benzo, Benzo gets off. hmm And Vi is pretty much, like, watching this unfold and screaming, like, holy yeah.
0: shit. Through, like, this little window in, in the basement. She's, like, locked in a basement. She's looking at it through the, one of those tiny little basement windows, and you can see the blood just, like, well, I didn't like, think
1: Benzo died, but he he died. like that. Was he got tackled and killed off screen?
0: They show you the uh, the really cool enforcer lady. I don't remember her name, but the the lady that was friends with Vander, like I think she gets straight beheaded, and you see her head on the ground. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the guy that got turned into like a fucking ogre, his name is his name was Deckard, I believe. And then uh, what's the name of? I'm trying to find the name of the um the lady who was his friend. Yeah, the sheriff. I forget her name. Let me see if I can find it here. Grayson. Her name is Grayson, I think. Okay. So Grayson, her and Van- and Vander have this this nice relationship, but before she could even intervene, really, uh, Deckard is just slaughtering everyone, and it just shows you the power difference. Vander does put in some work, but quickly gets put down by Deckard in his amp state, and he gets taken away, you know, captured. And at this point, now Vi is like, okay, we have to rescue Vander.
0: He- it's also bad because you now like at this you see a little bit of it, but Marcus, the guy that eventually becomes the sheriff, he this is all set up because he's working with. Silco and yes. there's even a part where he's like, this wasn't the plan, this wasn't how it was supposed to happen, yeah, and Silco's just like whatever
1: yeah Silco is Silko is as grimy as they come. He's the typical character that will betray you in a heartbeat for his own ambitions. He always puts uh the overall mission, which is the brings on to like its own nation, its own independent nation. He will put that above essentially anything that's like his that's his uh motive, no matter what. So yeah. when you're seeing him act, and you know using Shimmer despite not knowing how it'll really affect people but also not really fucking caring about how it'll affect people either also willing to fuck over his old-time friend vander and exact revenge on him uh he has this this grudge that he's been holding for a long time and even though they coexist uh he will do anything sneakily to to beat vander he even makes a a comment to someone about how you know when you want power it's not about being the most intelligent or the strongest or anything it's just about having like this undying will to do whatever it takes to obtain it like when you want power you do whatever it takes so that's he's very consistent with that and so he takes vander he like puts him in a chair and we all know where this was going there's like shimmer all around i was like oh he's going to inject vander with shimmer and turn him into his own personal pet that's where i thought it was going anyway and then the kids come they cause a whole scene uh via gets into a fight and then decker starts running through and killing people and pushing them off the edges and a fire breaks out, all this other chaos. Vander is Vander and Milo are in a room together, and Milo's like uh unlocking all of the, the braces that are on Vander's body, getting him free. And then at some point, shit just goes south. Like it just it just all goes south. Vander gets into a fight, starts to lose, he gets his ass beat, he gets tossed to the side, and they also show Powder, who thinks that she is about to help because she also like is aware of what's going on. She thinks she's about to help, so she grabs all those crystals and she remembers how they exploded in episode one. And she she goes and says, "I need this one to work." And she puts one of the this fucking you know the clapping monkey, the clapping monkey toy. Yeah,
0: and it has like the um the symbols I think they're called. Yeah,
1: it has the little that's what that's called. And like it's a wind up toy. So she she sends that in with one of the blue crystals, and it keeps clapping it. And every time it claps, oh my god, it sends a fucking burst of energy through, and it's just creating chaos. I mean. Fires, explosions, everything. Everything is going nuts. Uh, No one knows what's really happening. And this basically causes people to die. So immediately, like immediately, Milo and Clagger get off. The the initial explosions, send both of them up against the wall. I think Clagger dies on impact. Like literally, I think he breaks his neck on impact of getting sent back by the explosion. Because he never moves again after he gets sent back into the wall.
0: No, he does not.
1: Milo gets hit up against the wall, too. But he's still conscious, and he looks up, and the fucking place that he's in, like the room that he was in with Vander, starts to collapse, and the debris kills him. Yeah. So now, Powder has killed My- uh, Milo and Clagger, obviously she's unaware of this, and Vander ends up dying too. He goes out, he like takes Shimmer, he uses Shimmer to like beat Decker and beat the rest of the fucking people around in the area, and then he, like, he gets a hold of Silco, but he can't bring himself to kill Silco for whatever reason. Maybe he still sees them as, like, I don't know. They, they were they were really close, really good friends, uh, brothers that held the slums down. So he can't bring himself to kill him for some reason. And he kind of gets pushed over. He dies. Uh, Vi is there. She's completely distraught. The and then Potter comes out, and she's so happy. She's, like, laughing, and she thinks that she did a good job. And Vi's like, did you do this? And she's like, uh. yeah. She's like, yeah, I did. I, I helped. And she's like, why did you do this? And it's one of those moments where... I felt bad for everybody involved. I felt bad for Powder because she genuinely again, this is it, this this whole show is about people having good intentions and those intentions just being, I don't know, they just go so south. Yeah. So she's all innocent. She's a kid. She thinks she helped, but she ended up killing everybody. Like literally everybody died except Soko.
0: Yeah, because what's fucked up is that although it wasn't the best situation, they were on their way out. Like they had just made a hole in the wall. Like yep. they had an escape route. Yep. So like things were still bad, but they were getting control of the situation. They were. And then Powder isn't aware of everything that's happening inside. She just all the shit's happening. She legitimately helps, tries to help, has this explosion go off. She thinks she's saving her family.
1: Dude, that fucking monkey kept clapping, and oh my God. Every time it clapped, I cringed. I was like, God damn it. It's just killing people.
0: Yeah, it was it was bad. But yeah, like he's I mean, she truly, truly believed she helped everybody. Like, and also think about the fact not only does she think she helped everybody this is like the first time one of her inventions oh my gosh she's so
1: happy because of that
0: yeah because she has all these inventions you hear her she's like oh come on mauser you have to work this time and like it doesn't work and it's really cute how she has all these little inventions and she's really smart and like sound in terms of inventing but it's never quite there and why is always reassuring her and so this time it finally works and it looks like it's a to a great success and that she's helped everybody and she doesn't realize that like half of her family has now died because of her. Yeah. And
1: yeah, she doesn't even realize know. Vander's completely fucking dead on the ground. And when she yeah. realizes what she's done, because Vi makes sure, and then that word jinx comes up again. So, one, literally, she's a jinx because of the whole situation that happened, because it couldn't have gone worse. Like, you killed your entire family except Vi, and the person who's the villain, he essentially goes scot free. Like, he doesn't really suffer any major injuries in this entire exchange. Somehow, Silco just slides through. He's like a little snake. He slithers through every time. And he just really sucks. So at this point, Vi is fed up. And she, she says some hurtful things to her sister. And her sister runs away or whatever. And in that moment, Vi is not apologetic. But then she kind of walks away. And uh, Powder's still there. And Soko comes up. And Soko, it, it looks like he's about to kill her. But then he randomly, it's like an embrace moment. And it's really, it's a it's a very creepy moment too. And there's, there's a lot of shit going on with like, this relationship between Jinx, which she becomes, and Soko that they show in the time skip. But immediately, she kind of like slithers up to him in her despair and she's crying. And he's like, We'll show them, we'll show them all. And she also says, Like, Vi's not her sister anymore. And that was huge. And Vi's watching this unfold and she's about to go back for her sister because she, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even though she was mad in that moment, she like immediately forgave her sister.
0: Yeah, she immediately went back and tried to, you know, get to her. And then Marcus uh, shows yeah. up from behind and like, um, Stops I forget the- what the name of it is, but she puts the thing over. What's that? Uh, chlor- like basically chloroforms her.
1: Yes. Yeah. Knocks her out. And because he's working with Silco, so he doesn't want anything to go you know south, south as far as that goes. And yeah, they're separated now. And it's a time skip after that. And the time skip starts off essentially with uh, a showing of Jinx's She's broken. The first time you see her post-time skip now, in episode four, uh, there is Shimmer being delivered on an airship. And these fucking new guys called Fireflights, they come out of nowhere. And they just start dicking on this entire operation. And in comes Jinx. She kills people immediately. Like, she comes through and puts bombs on every single person that's, like, on the airship. And they all just get fucking pieced. At first, I was like, they're not... They're not dead or, and then they're 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 just dead, like all of them are dead. She just she killed like six enforcers immediately. She kills a bunch of the fireflight people as well. She's absolutely nuts, she's acrobatic as hell. Uh she's also insanely good at hand-to-hand combat, knife work, gun work. And they showed her, her
0: her design too, just by when they show her come in. Um, I love the art style of the show, as I already said, and I love I love the way Jinx looks in general. She looks so the way she cool. looks in this show is really good. Something I love is like. If I if I recall after the time script, the first time you really see her is she walks on the scene and it starts at her boots. And I love how skinny her legs are and how like big her boots are. Like the way it yeah. looks, her boots look so fucking and cool. And
1: her hair is basically touching the ground.
0: Yes. And the way she walks in looks so sick. Like stylistically, oh, I just I love it so much. She's
1: tattooed now. She, yeah. looks, she looks badass. Also, her her voice sounds like Margot Robbie to me. I don't know if anyone else felt that way. But she sounds very much like Margot Robbie. If you don't know who Margot Robbie is, she is the main, one of the main characters in The Wolf of Wall Street. She plays his wife after he leaves his original wife. She's also blatantly Harley Quinn. So, yeah, in DC. So like all of the times you see Harley Quinn now, she plays Harley Quinn. She, to me, this this voice actor sounds like Margot Robbie. And so I was at one point I thought to myself, is this fucking Margot Robbie playing basically the same character? But but no, it's actually someone else. I think her name is Ellen Thomas or something like that. But yeah, Jinx, the first time you see her, she comes on and she is so fucking broken. Sorry, the name of the uh, voice actor is Ella Purnell. But yeah, Ella Purnell plays, does the voice for Jinx. But she comes on a scene. She starts fucking shit up. She's so cool. Everything she does is effortless. Her bombs can be both used for obviously killing, but they also, some of them just explode and they make paint, like uh, art, like pop art kind of shit going on with them. (laughs) It's really cool, and then she has the Gatling gun that she uses, and she starts going nuts on that. At one point, she thought that she saw her sister, and that was a big thing because you see that she still hasn't let go of like her relationship, even though the last time she spoke about Vi, she says she's not my sister anymore. Yep. But clearly, the second she sees a person with red hair, she starts to have like a psychotic break.
0: Yeah, and they they show her 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 psychopathy a lot throughout the show. When they show where it looks like milo still talking to her and shit and like he has the x's on his eyes and oh man like you see like her visions and then when you see like where he where she's living where she's staying and she has like a tea set and a thing that looks like milo sitting there and like a thing that looks like clagger sitting there like it's it's really like you can tell she is way off the deep end
1: yes i so one of my problems that i originally had with the show but they i kind of started to understand it the more i watched it at first right When I see her as Jinx and then I see her as Powder in the prologue, I kept saying to myself, this is way too drastic of a change for a person who was as sweet and soft as Powder to go to Jinx. I could not accept the fact that this character has changed as much. It almost reminded me of Daenerys and how she just like abruptly becomes this other person. Despite the fact the show does have a time skip, I still was like, I don't know if I believe Powder becoming Jinx. I just I just didn't see it. But then when I started to see the the Milo doll that she made and the, the little clagger doll with the goggles and her mm-hmm. tea set with all her dead family and then the voices that she hears and when she's like shut up like all of that stuff i realized that she's actually gone psychotic it's yeah. it's not as simple as you had a slow character development into madness you actually had a psychotic break exactly and that is why this new personality has been developed because that wasn't like the person that she is the person that jinx is is not who powder was at all they're they're actually very separate people and
0: like you said, it's great. She didn't have a character arc into this madness character. She had a psychotic break, a, a huge that night where she killed half her family, and then Vi said those things to her, and then being embraced by fucking Silco like yeah. that broke her. And yeah. now she has these dolls that she talks to. And she's like haunted her by
1: Milo constantly. Yeah, and he's putting bad thoughts in her head. And sometimes they hear, they let you hear what he says, but sometimes they don't. But you can under you. It's implied. Mm-hmm. There's a scene later on. It's a. It's another. It's actually at that little tea set thing that she has at the end, where like Silco, Caitlyn, uh, Vi, they're all there. And I think that like Milo alludes to Vi lying or something like that. And you hear you hear uh, Jenks say, "No, she's not." And she mm-hmm. does, she does the shut up thing again. And you you just can understand what a conversation that she's having with Milo in her head is without actually having to hear his her, his side of it. It's really cool. You can infer what's being said on his side. Don't trust her. She's not your sister anymore. She left you. Like that type of vibe. So I I, I love Jinx's introduction in episode four, uh, post-time skip. And of course, everyone's probably wondering, you know, well, what happened to it? Vi- what happened to Vi? Like, where's where's Violet? What happened to her? Like, how did things go with her? And then you quickly find out. Kaylin has become an enforcer. She grew up in a very prestigious household where her family's very rich, very uppity. They didn't even like Jace at first, but then when he becomes a councilman, now all of a sudden they're all on him. Typical shit. Uh, it's all about class, and so now they like Jace, but then after the whole thing happens with the accident earlier on, then they don't like him again. It's just this whole back and forth. Like it just depends on it's, it's like oh who you it's are. It's very optics. It's very it's, it's optics. all optics. It's like oh we like him now we don't like him. Hot cold hot cold. Caitlyn always fucked with him. I think she obviously likes him as well. There's definitely some kind of yeah thing going on there. But also with Caitlyn, she's rebellious. She's the typical. So, the good thing about her character is that you get the typical, uh, I grew up with a rich family, but I don't like my, uh, privilege. I don't really care for it. And so, she's rebellious in a sense that she became one of the things that her parents hate, an enforcer, which is such a lowly job. It's such a...
0: She's a rich kid and became a cop. You
1: know what I mean? Like, what rich kid becomes a cop? It's like, what the fuck? Like, you're putting yourself in danger, and you never, you've never been in danger in your life. Like, we've made sure that your life has been absolutely... As smooth as possible, you can get any position you want with nepotism and money. You don't need to ever be something as lowly as a cop. And so, you know, she expresses that the first time you see Caitlin post time skip. And I don't know, I really like that that character as well. At first, you know, she kind of came off a bit annoying, even the way she speaks. She speaks in like what I would call like high Valyrian. She has this very, yeah, yeah, this very like British accent. It's very like, uh, it almost sounds condescending no matter what. No
0: matter what she's saying, you're like, bitch!
1: Yeah, she sounds very condescending, so she she goes into the slums looking for answers on like what happened with this gemstone that got stolen, the hex gem that got stolen during the, the whole back and forth between the, the top and the bottom. And, you know, Jinx stole it, uh, she's going looking for answers, and so she goes to the bottom, and she finds the prison that Vi is actually being held in. Vi's Vi like, yeah, I might know a thing or two, but can't do anything, I'm in jail. So, of course, naturally, Caitlin. Finds a way, use her connections with Jace, gets gets a uh, gets Vi out, and then those two become like a, a a little a little team. Mm-hmm. And you got the girl who's from the trenches, meets the girl who's from Riches coming together. And there's always going to be that that relationship where, like, oh, you're so prissy, so Vi when she's navigating around the slums. You know, Caitlin is not used to this area at all. She makes her change out of her clothes because she's dressed way too. Well, once you're dressed like an enforcer, so that's just that's just awful. Yeah. To be to be in the lanes just like an enforcer really could be deaf. Like that could be a deaf sentence. So immediately you get like a little callback. Vi runs into uh people trying to jump her again in an alleyway. She beats their ass off screen, basically, steals their clothes. She tells the one guy like nice leather jacket. They switch out their clothes, and now they're on some undercover, like trying to investigate what's going on. They don't they trying to get the scoop on like what's going on in the lanes, what's going on with this hex gem, like who stole it, who got it. And she finds out that her sister is alive. And one of the coolest things to me is how uh Jinx, who apparently was told by Silco that her sister was dead, uh, she also finds out that Vi is alive and she has this flare that she she shoots up in the air. I actually love this scene a lot.
0: She I just, love this scene. She said if you ever she...
1: Yeah, go ahead. <sighs> you can explain. Yes, yeah.
0: when she was when they were younger, like Vi gave uh powder this flare, and she was like, you know, if you ever need me, whatever you like, you like this flare, and like I will come to you no matter where you yeah. are. And you have the thing where she's moving around and she's like staring at the flare, and she—it looks like she's contemplating, even putting it on that she really believes Vi still alive. Right,
1: and also yeah, Vi she... is very far away from it, so when yes. the flare is fired, it's fired high as hell, like it's—it's it's very far from where she is. Vi is basically on ground level at the bottom, and Jinx is at the top and on top of a high ass building type of type of thing, and when she fires it it's so far that they kind of do this little camera trick with you where you think there's no way she's getting there in time because dude,
0: it's a- not only, not only that, the way they shoot it makes you think she might not even see it. Cause they're in the middle of like running around. There's like some shit going on yeah. They're like running around doing stuff. And the way it's shot, I'm like, dude, she might not even see it. And then yeah. Jinx is going to like feel betrayed. Cause she didn't even see it. Um, But then finally toward the end, you see that Vi does see the flare yep. and then they do almost like another camera trick or just like, or whatever, where it, f- it looks like she sees the flare, but then she's forced to go a different direction. Exactly.
1: Like, like Caitlin and-, and her have to go elsewhere. And the flare starts to fizzle out. Yes. And Jinx looks at it. And she's kind of disappointed. And I-, I thought that I was like, oh fuck. That's so sad. Cause she told her whenever you fire this, I will be there. I'll come no matter what. So yeah. that was just another moment of disappointment for Jinx. But then she turns around her sister's right there. And I love that because realistically, <laughs> there was no fucking way she made it, but she did anyway.
0: I fucking dude, you know she was moving like the best oh, parkour you've ever she seen. She
1: was fucking moving. <laughs> I love that. So when she comes, she grabs her arm, and they have this like embrace. And I realized like, okay, Jinx isn't all bad. Like she she wasn't on no, I'm trying. I'm, I just brought you here to kill you type vibe. It was like I actually want to see what you're talking about. Like what's what's going on here. Another cool thing is Kaylin, low key high key looks like Jinx slash Powder. There is. The uh, You know, it's funny, when, when you're watching her, uh, the prologue, the first three episodes, you see Caitlyn, you see Powder, but they're, like, in completely separate worlds. They're not even... They never come into contact with each other as younglings. Yeah. And in the time, like, post-time skip, when Vi is running around with Caitlyn, I can't help but to notice the color of her hair. It's very yep. close. Like, you know, it's very close. And then just how Vi is, like, even to Caitlyn, she's like an older sister to her. Like, Caitlyn doesn't know how to navigate the slums. So in that way, she's already an older sister to her. So there's that relationship going on. In, and Jinx is she's like a really uh, stealthy character. She sees things without people knowing it. So she's been observing this relationship, and she's low key jealous of it too. She doesn't yeah. like she doesn't like Kaylin, and this boils over at the end. But like throughout these episodes, I was noticing how they keep trying to draw these parallels between Kaylin and Jinx, and then that kind of that definitely does come to a boiling point.
0: It does. Um, it does I mean it? It even blows up a little bit. You know, right there in that meeting, because Vi sitting there, she's meeting Jinx, and then, you know, Caitlyn shows up, and Caitlyn realizes, like, your sister is the it's, one that I've been hunting.
1: Exactly. And so it, it immediately comes down to, who are you going to choose here? It's immediately... Yeah, and,
0: and in Vi's position, she's like, I don't have to choose anybody. Like, yeah. what, like, y'all need to chill out. Like, this isn't about choosing. Like, hold on, wait a second. Like, there's more going on. But uh, Jinx has been tormented to last however many years with her own thoughts being in her head, thinking her whole family's dead um, and doing things for Silco. And then Caitlin is trying to do what she, what she believes is right. She's trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to stop corruption, trying to figure out who's like murdering people. Yeah. Get back to Um, Hexcore.
1: There's a lot, there's a lot of moving pieces. And then also you get one of the coolest looking characters. And now I'm realizing that one of our uh, recent episodes that we recorded we were talking about that, like that one fighting game. So, Echo. So
0: I realized immediately it was Echo. Like, but when he still had the mask on, like, if the first time he showed up, I'll just because, because I'm not familiar with Echo, because he wasn't in League of Legends back when I played it. Okay. So my first introduction to Echo was Project L. Us watching that that Project L trailer. Yeah. And so when I saw him in um in this show Arcane, in Arcane. Yeah. I was like, oh shit, is that Echo?
1: He's like, dope as hell in the show. He's dope he as He is fuck. so fucking cool. His character design is cool as hell. Finally, I'm loving that we're finally getting... And this is something for me, like representation matters and all that stuff. I'm so happy that there's a cool-ass looking black character that I could cosplay as. Because there are not many of them. I remember always wanting to cosplay as like Tozen from Bleach. But there's not many cool black male characters to cosplay. And I hundred percent. At some point in my life, when I do a Echo cosplay, because he looks cool as shit to me. I love his hair. I love the fucking white symbol on his face. Um, I love his like everything about him. He's really cool. And I know in Project L. This is I'm i wondering. I guess like kind of a spoiler, but whatever. In Project L, he's doing like time manipulation type shit. Yep. There's none of that in Arcane yet. But I think uh, there
0: is one. I think it happens once at
1: least. Do you think it was like the first scene with the blizzard?
0: I, no, when he fights Jinx. Oh, you
1: think when that, that fu- was.
0: Because, look, that, first of all, the fight with Jinx was beautiful. Yeah. The fight with Jinx, so, so cool. this is fast. Forward he beats bit, her Echo,
1: ass, though.
0: Echo and Jinx fight, and Echo, like, drops out a pocket watch, and the pocket watch is, like, ticking back and forth. Yeah. And then Jinx sees it, and then it shows you them as kids, and it goes into this crazy art style, and it shows that they, they've played like this as kids, and they would fight. and um, But they're also doing, and it would switch between them being a kid and them being an adult and them fighting. Yeah. So it goes through the whole thing. And it shows him, like, moving through, dodging the bullets, and it's like shows him as an adult and a kid. And then at one point, he gets shot in the chest, and it shows him, like, as a kid, and he's, like, sad, and he's, like, sitting there sad. And then it goes backwards, and he goes through it again, and he dodges all the bullets, and then he fucking hits her in the head.
1: Okay, I need to watch that again. I did not notice that yeah. that might be the case.
0: Yeah, he goes through, and he goes, and he's dodging bullets, and then he finally gets shot, and it shows him as a kid, and he's all sad, and he's sitting there And then he rewinds it.
1: They didn't make a note of the technology that would be doing that because that's broken. They
0: did not. Yeah, they did not make a note. Like, yeah.
1: I noticed that he was like way too much for Jinx. She could not deal with him at all. I mean, it was to the point where he could have killed her.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was was wild.
1: Yeah, he like beasted her real quick. But I was like, it happened so quick to me that I just thought to myself, okay, this guy's insane. Yeah, he.
0: As far as I can tell, he does go back in time. There, he does it. He gets shot. It shows him sad, and then it goes backwards, and then you see him do the same sequence again. But he dodges the bullets more effortlessly, mm-hmm. and then he he dodges the final bullet that shot him, and then he and then he's up in Jinx's face.
1: I'm definitely gonna rewatch that on YouTube as soon as this is over because I wanna I wanna see what you're talking about. That sounds cool. Yeah, as hell. it's fucking sick. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Echo is another character that I really really fuck with. I like him a lot, and him and Heimerdinger end up teaming up. Because Heimerdinger is now, he's in the lanes himself. You know he's been excommunicated from being a uh, whatever. The, Even, a ca- he looks so
0: cute, by the way, walking around with like, the hood on. I know and shit. when he ran <laughs> into some
1: people, get into some shit. They stared at him. and He like looked at, him, he looked away. I yeah. was like, oh, like don't hurt him. He's he's innocent. <laughs> I feel like they wouldn't be able to fuck with him though. I feel like somehow, some way, Heimerdinger uh, randomly can defend himself. I don't know. How. He's got he's got something, yo. I don't he's know gonna how, pull out like
0: a fucking. I don't know. You know he's got some sauce.
1: I, yeah, I feel like Heimerdinger is not as like defenseless as he might come off.
0: mm Hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: So so yeah, it, it all boils down to a lot of moving parts. You got stuff going on with Jace and the other character Victor. I, I kind of got this weird feeling like Victor was the main person behind Jace in a sense that when it came to developing the technology, it almost looked like Victor was the real one developing the technology and Jace was just kind of the face of it all.
0: Like Yeah, Victor and Jace, they they were partners. They even go as Jace even goes as far as say, like he's my family. Um,
1: yeah but like did you notice that they kind of they often show victor as the one like making the shit like he yeah he's yeah. often the one like finding things out and then jace is like oh man this is so cool we could do this we could do this we could do this with it but it, it was yeah. victor who literally worked on it all night and discovered it and then jace is kind of outdoing councilman shit and they don't really show much except the one sequence where they show jace like in the factory working with like you know he's pulling down like heavy machinery stuff that victor can't do He's working, yep. on, he's working with the heavy machinery, but as far as the actual technology for, like, the um the hex core and stuff, all of that was like Victor, from what I saw in the show. Like, it was very much Victor that came up with, like, a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah, he was definitely... I mean, but, they're both very intelligent, but it yes. did seem like Victor and, had more of, like, more of that drive, and he was doing it more and, behind the scenes and, and driving I, it all night.
1: I guess what I'm trying to say is, so Jace is from a family that's more respectable and Victor is from the slums. Yep. And so there's even a moment where Jace wants Victor to like, come out with me, like show everybody, like you're also the person behind this too. And he's like, no, I can't, like, I don't need to do that. Like, that's not, Yeah. that's not for me. And so he stays in the shadows, like literally stays in the shadows as Jace walks out and gives his nice progress day speech. And so, throughout the whole show, I'm noticing, like, oh, so Victor's really, the, like, the true, true is here. Like, obviously, they're both, like you said, they're both really smart, they both do a bunch of stuff, but I was just getting a vibe that Victor was the real brains behind the operation. And, I mean, he's even the one that pushes the hex core with the shimmer, and he goes to that one guy who's, like, very clearly some kind of evil character in the slums
0: guy in the slums. So he's like in the sewer. He's in the slums of the slums.
1: Yeah. He, he had a a whole animal creature mutation thing that he was given shimmer to, to keep it alive. He has all these test tubes and incubate incubators that have life forms floating in them. And they're all on some kind of drugs and shimmer and stuff. And he's also, it's interesting about him is that he's like a mentor to not only Victor, but also Silco. Yes. So I'm like, damn, whoever that guy is, he's the real architect behind a lot of not like a this of this nonsense. Yes. Yeah,
0: he seems broken because he goes uh you, we see a flashback uh where you see Victor as a kid and him running around and him he's already kind of like he already has a limp and um and uh and a crush even when he's a kid. It's not yeah. so. so it becomes clear that's not a like an accident that happened to him. Yeah, he's been this, this he thought. was born this way. Yes. Um and then he goes and he, he finds this guy in the sewer, and then he meets, uh, I believe, the animal. It's like a giant axolotl. Um, is the animal that he's like keeping alive with the magic and the shimmer, and he's doing all this stuff. And then you see the 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 creature starts to deteriorate, and the guy's like, the subject must stay alive at all costs. Yep. And Victor Victor feels like kind of disgusted at it, and he doesn't like what he's doing, and he sees like the pain he's putting it through, and. But this guy teaches Victor a lot of things before Victor runs away from him. And then when Victor's trying to kind of crack the code and he can't figure out how to crack this hex core stuff, he eventually ends up going back to him and uh, trying to learn more from him, which leads to some things that happen. But then, like you said, we see when a tragedy happens with Jinx, when Silco, when it's, you know, when things are going bad, Silco ends up bringing Jinx to this guy, which proves that he apparently knows him. He's like, hey, like, I need, like, you have to save her. And then And Silco, who is looked at as kind of like the boss this whole time, is sort of pleading to this guy, and this guy, at no point, is worried or scared of Silco. Like he moves around with an air. He's like, he's like, well, you know, like it it could end bad, and he like knocks him out and everything. Like so, this guy does not give a fuck.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up this whole point about Silco. Being normally intimidating to everyone else, but not this guy. This guy actually doesn't care. Also, I want to talk about Silco's intimidating factors that they showed throughout the show because Silco is a good villain for many oh. reasons. There's oh. that scene where he walks in with the Evil Council.
0: Dog, <laughs> I was hope I was hoping that's the one you were going to talk about. How could that I not? scene is fucking way go? Could I
1: not? When he walks in and talks to the Evil Council, and I guess they think that they're about to like rise against him because he made a mess. Well,
0: goes in, right? They're in there talking There, they're talking about how Silco's not living up to his expectations. This is
1: a problem. She's caused a lot of issues for us. She's running rampant. Yep. You gotta put her down. All these type, you know, situations. My man walks in there. He tells them, you know, y'all, none of y'all are on my level, okay? None of y'all have put in the work that I've put in. None of y'all care about this shit the way I care about it. You all have your own little fucking independent shit going on. At the end of the day, I'm the big boss around here. And they just start choking. <laughs> like, dying well, they
0: show dude they as he's talking they show the fan at the top stop and then like he's still talking and he's like do you all remember where we're from he's like do you remember what it was like <laughs> do you remember what i brought you like where i i dragged you up from he's like i don't know if you guys remember what i've done what i've been through what you've been through and then he They're lets so like dying. that air yeah he lets like he's like and then By the way, they're choking and he doesn't even put a thing on. He's talking fine. He's like, oh, you guys, you guys don't remember what this air feels like, do you?
1: Like, yeah, he actually mentions how thick it used to be so much that you can't breathe. It chokes you out. (laughs) It can even kill you. And they're all dying. And he starts pulling out gas masks and distributing them one by one, but very slowly to make (laughs) sure that they understand that at any point I can just not give this to you and you will die. (laughs) And he hands them out. And then he gets to the last guy who's like the main perpetrator, the main guy who was like, you know, I'm the, I'm, we need to get Soko out of here. You know, he was the, the battery in the bad guy. He goes over to him. This guy is choking so bad. He falls over on the floor and he's dying. Soko takes the mask, takes a deep inhale. It's like, oh, fresh air. So nice, but like unnecessary. And then he just throws the fucking mask down. I love it. I that love-
0: scene was great because he comes in. And you don't know what, cause he has like a chest and you're like, you don't know what's in the chest Yeah. and he's talking and you just don't, the fan stops. And at least me, I didn't immediately realize, Oh, he's going to fucking have a gas attack. Yes. Um,
1: and it doesn't matter It's just so cool.
0: Yeah. And it's just so dirty. That like, scene is amazing.
1: Up. It's I'm,
0: so good.
1: I want to rewatch that scene as, as well as the echo versus uh jinx scene, because that was one of the best scenes. And I was like, damn, this villain is actually so convincing now. The way he controls... Because I had to wonder, how does somebody so... He's such a small guy. Again, this goes back to the small guy, but just because he's small doesn't mean that he can't get shit done. Mm-hmm. And he does have... The girl, Sevaka, she's broken as hell. She's huge. She actually reminds me of Mel's mom in that way, like a gen, yeah. like a, a militant, kind of a tomboyish girl. Who can, she's a
0: large woman, very, like very muscular. Yep. She gets her arm like,
1: taken early on, so now she has this arm that's powered by Shimmer. And... There's this one scene where again the evil council tries to turn on Silco in his own. Like, I love it. And it's like throne room, I'll call it. And they think that they've turned Sevika against him, and so she pulls out this blade and she's behind Silco. It looks like she's about to impale him from the back, but instead of doing that, she like slashes across, and you don't know who got cut. And then you see that she actually killed that guy who he choked out in the uh, gas chamber, the gas room. And that part is crazy. He even asked her afterwards. He said, "Were you uh were you tempted at any point?"
0: And she, and says, she said, not for, not for a worm like him.
1: Not for a worm like him. Yep, so good. So. so,
0: yeah, that scene was great. Silco really is a great villain. And something that you said, and I agree with, but I, I want to ask your opinion on this. Um, he is the kind of guy, he will do what, absolutely whatever it takes to get things done.
1: I know what you're saying.
0: But I do feel like he does he does have a level of loyalty to him. Like He does, yeah. to me, feel like I, he does care about the people that are really like with him. He definitely talks
1: about Jinx and Sevica a lot.
0: Yeah, Jinx and Sevica specifically. And um yeah, I want to know like so, at the end there when he's like them com- cuz uh, what happens is him and Jace end up meeting and Jace gives them sort of the terms. He's like, "Listen, I'll, you well, you'll have your freedom. You guys can be your own nation, uh but you have to take He's giving them Jin- what they go.
1: always wanted, which is independence. The finish line is there now.
0: Yes. The finish then, line is
1: actually there.
0: And then he goes He says, like, I can't do that. Like, you can, like, Jinx isn't responsible for any of those crimes. Like, you can take me. He's like, I can't take you. Like, you're, like, we're doing the deal with you. I can't imprison the person I'm doing the deal with.
1: Same as when Vander was gone. It caused chaos in the the, the lanes. Yeah. So. Soko's a necessary evil to control the lanes. People listen to him. He's also the biggest dealer of Shimmer. So, the whole, now that Vander's gone, he really does run it. He runs the underground.
0: And, uh. You know, they set it up, and then what we get is Silco going back down to the lanes, and he's next to a statue of Vander. And he's, like, talking to Vander, basically, saying, like, oh, I get where you were coming from now, or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, like, I have everything that I ever wanted. And then Jinx, he doesn't realize Jinx is there listening to him. And Jinx is under the impression that Silco is going to turn Jinx in. Yep. And then that leads us to, like, the, the climax at the end. But before we fully talk about the... Everything that happened in the climax, like what do you think? Do you think that he was going to turn her over, or do that's you think a, that he was going to like say question. "fuck it" and go to war?
1: That's a good question because he's consistently been uh, about any means necessary. But post time skip, Jinx seems to have a sweet spot in his heart. Like a she has a very sacred spot, and mm-hmm. I don't think any other character, not even Sevika, has this same spot in his heart that Jinx somehow captivated. There's a lot of and I called the, I alluded to this earlier. There's a lot of creepy shit between Jinx and, Seven, and Silco. In fact, I almost thought that their relationship might have been sexual at one point because the way when she first appears in, in a scene with Silco, she like drops down from the ceiling, she lands on a table, and like she like crawls into his lap in like kind of a seductive way. And she's all like touchy feely with him, and he's just kind of like letting her. And she's the one who kind of does his eye injections, his daily eye injections with the shimmer. Um, there, the, the way she embraces him now that she's an she's a she's an older girl now she's a teenager. The way she embraces him, it has this really nasty vibe to it. This really nasty. Yeah. This really nasty old man, young girl. He was able to control her and get her head early, which we know he's had mental control over her since she was very very young. And I was wondering if like damn, is this show that dark that they're alluding to maybe Silco molesting this girl or statutory rape or like. Is that where this is going? And I I don't even know if that's necessarily not true. Like I there's there were too many. It wasn't just that one scene. There's many instances yeah. where the embraces between Jinx and Silco are way too, uh, <laughs> touchy feely. Yeah, say yeah. Like they, they're just way too comfortable. Is they're too, it, it, she's a little too comfortable with his body and the way she moves around him. I I don't know. It really gave me like the heebie jeebies when I was watching the way they interact. Yeah.
0: So my so I similar I I did also get that kind of feeling that you right but um so my I guess my thought process on it was to like go all the way back to the the inception of their quote unquote relationship um is Silco sitting there he's looking at 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 Jinx slash Powder she's a child at the time and um and then she says like she revokes her sister I think in my head what happens is that he was him and Vander were brothers yes and in a way, even though he had no relationship to these kids, these kids are almost like his nieces.
1: Yeah, Um, sure.
0: But, you know, he doesn't really have much of a relationship to them. But these two are sisters, just like he was brothers. His brother is dead now. Vander's dead. But he always had sort of, like, a respect for him, even though this is what had to happen. So anyway, Jinx, he literally watches Vi turn on Jinx, and he listens to Jinx revoke her and say that, like, she's not my family anymore. And it... It seems to put him in that same position, not just that she's in a similar situation where two people that were very close together, like sisters or brothers are now separated similar to him and Vander. Also there's like an extra layer that like this was Vander's child. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it creates a thing where he feels a connection to her right from there. And then, you know, they spend all this time together. Jinx has that mental break. And so I look a lot of those scenes where it seems really weird and it's like, man, she shouldn't be hugging up on him like that. It's just I um, don't think
1: that a sixteen-year-old girl, I don't care if you are my uncle or not. Like imagine Miranda crawling into your dad's lap. Yeah, yeah. And no, like, I and like I... embrace like slowly caressing his face and shit. Like it's so they definitely put those scenes in there to give us a react, like get a reaction out of the audience, right? Like and obviously we me and you both felt the same things. Like, oh, this yeah. is this is very Strange, Like, what is going on here? I do think that he looks at her as a niece and as, like, this daughter in a way, because he essentially adopts her after Vander. But they are also doing something with showing that, right? Like, there's something... They don't have to show that, but they, like... They they do it more than once. And that's what really drove it home for me. Is like, what is this weird-ass relationship between these two?
0: What I think... I could be wrong. What I think, though, is that they did that for two reasons. One... They knew it would get a reaction out of people like you and me, what we're saying. But I I truly do think that in the lore, in the, in the story that neither one have sexual feelings for each other. I think that it's, I think that Jinx is just, we know that she had a break. Uh, and I think that she, she's just kind of like grasping onto him. Like when you, you see certain people that are like really down, um, either they might have certain mental issues or whatever, but, and some of those people, you—they're more touchy feely. They're more loving. They're more like—and so I think maybe she's like, what we what we're seeing is her in like her broken state, trying to hold on to the only thing that she thinks she has left. And but it's done in a this really creepy, weird way, yeah. and it gives us a feeling like outside a, looking in. Like, they're definitely Whoa. alluding
1: to some some shit went down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even if it didn't actually happen, like it's not a fact that these two had a sexual relationship in any way they allude to it. And that is enough for me to like, it makes him more of a villain.
0: Yeah. It makes, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Make, you're like, it makes like me
1: very uncomfortable when I was watching. It. I was like, damn, why is this? Like, I don't know. Just the way she's like with him. It almost was like, that was his girl. And everyone yeah. is okay with it. Cause this is also the slums. A lot of, this is the, this is, this is a dark ass world. There's a lot of shit that goes on down here. And I think that Vi even mentions like, you know, when Caitlyn's down there, Shit goes down. What are you interested in? Girls or boys? You know, Vi is very clearly yeah, yeah. le- lesbian. They, like, that's no
0: they go to like a they go to like a whorehouse. Yes. And they have to like blend in. She's like, Caitlin's like, well, what should I do? And Vi's like, make them think you work here. She's like, what?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, there's like a there's some queer signaling going on with Vi's character for sure. Like you can pretty much tell she's a lesbian Um, just through the way one her characterization but also that scene specifically where they're in the alleyway and she kind of corners Caitlin. She gets really? extremely close to her. And she's like, what do you like? Men yeah, or women? yeah. And so, you know, it, it reminded me of the Cowboy Bebop thing with Faye. And the one girl I was like, what do you like? Men or women? Like, it's the same thing. We just went over this in the past episode of the podcast. But I definitely got the vibe like, oh, okay, so there is queer signaling with Vi, which makes sense. She's a tomboy. And then she ends up, you know, she's older now. Has no interest in men in that way. Um, and Caitlyn's <laughs> <Caitlin's> probably hot. <laughs> so <laughs> she makes a little pass yeah. at the girl. No, you know, no it big was deal. Hot.
0: And Caitlyn, I think Caitlyn's in a situation. What I got from Caitlyn, uh, which I think is cool because it, it's a nuanced thing that I don't feel like many sh- many things do. Either you're gay or you're straight. Whereas mm-hmm. with Caitlyn, I feel like she's unsure. I feel like they show that she might be, like, yeah. bi-curious, so to speak. Yeah, and that's, Where,
1: fa- that's fine.
0: Because early on... It, to me, and I, I think you said the same thing earlier, it seemed as though she had a thing for Jace. Yes. And I think she still has somewhat of a thing for Jace, even though he's been doing things lately that she doesn't agree with. It still seems like she has a bit of a thing for Jace. Mm-hmm. And then the the interactions that she's having with Vi and the things she's going through with Vi, it seems as though she starts to grow uh, feelings toward Vi. Yeah. Which is interesting is that in in no way do they make it clear that, oh no, she's definitely a lesbian or, oh no, she's definitely right. straight. It feels like she really is a person who's learning and feeling about these feelings for the first time, which I don't think is something that's usually portrayed in anything. Like, even now, where we're quote like getting more progressive, so to speak, in a lot of shows, what that typically means is that you'll just have a character that's gay.
1: Yes. I don't usually. really
0: feel like I usually see, like, a bi-curious character, a character that's figuring themselves out. Yeah, and that's
1: why it's interesting. We just did the episode with Cob- of Cabo Bebop where Faye, who lost her memory, uh, she, in- you know, she engages in a lesbian act, and... You know, she's like, okay, that was that was good, like that was nice. And the girl asked her, like, have you ever had an orgasm? She's like, I don't remember anything. Like, if I have, had one, yeah. I have no idea because I lost my entire memory before twenty. So she's figuring out what she likes, and it's it's cool to see a character that's on a spectrum of sexuality because a lot of people, including myself, honestly feel like it is one of those things that is not just so cut and dry as you always have to be either gay or straight. You can be, you know, someone who likes multiple things. Let's like they have pansexual for a reason or. Bisexual for a reason. Like you can just like whatever you like. And not to get too like crazy on the whole sexuality topic of Arcane, but just in general, like seeing these things portrayed in media is cool to see. Like these are real life things. So when these people, when a writer's put these things in a story, uh it's it's just nice to see representation yeah. like that in these stories.
0: I, I agree. And I also just, you know, hopefully it gets to the point where I don't ever ha- where I don't have to point this out every time. Yes. Another thing that I like about Arcane is that it does that without feeling forced. It doesn't. One of the it doesn't feel forced. The thing that I like the most, and we've—I don't remember exactly what but we've talked about it for some other shows where—is when they can do these things and it doesn't feel forced. It just everything still feels natural. Doesn't feel like it they doesn't feel pandering
1: it, like it's pandering. It doesn't
0: feel pandering. And what I what I don't like is when a show or a movie or whatever is quote unquote progressive, but it feels like they're being progressive so they can get an award, so that people can say, "Hey, look how progressive we are."
1: Yeah. Just again, we always talk about this. Just make it regular because it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just and that's the thing. Normalize it. Way, it Just, just norm-
1: normalize sexualities I'm that are not straight, that are not heteronormative, period. So, but uh, so you it. Your original Kaelin, question,
0: Kaylin is bad, but She's anyway, bad. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no
1: girl in this show has anything on Mel, but <laughs> Kaelin is Kaylin is bad.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mel, Mel, I would agree, is probably tears, the number one, Like, she out. is. She is and just then, absolutely. I'm sure beautiful. for
1: a lot of people, Jinx is is an easy number two just because of the fact that she's so yeah. fucking. She's just so yeah. hot and broken.
0: People have different tastes, right? Like I'm sure for someone, Vi is their number one. Yeah, but of like course. for me, it's definitely Mel. There's a guy like, out
1: there who wants Vi to step on his nuts. I'm, I'm sorry, a hundred
0: percent. Oh yeah,
1: I'm not saying I'd be. A, listen, Vi can <laughs> um, Listen, I'm
0: with it. Like I, I can get behind Vi stepping on me too. But oh my god, I'm just saying. What did I do? She, that's not my first pick. My first <laughs> pick would be Mel. No, that's that, all
1: I'm saying. No, it's <laughs> so bad. Anyway. So your original question was, do I think Silco was going to turn in Jinx? And honestly, Kenny, ever since the show, like ever since I finished it, I, been I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about that specifically. Like, was he going to do it? Because he says in the end, like in his death, I think he says like I was never gonna give you up.
0: Yeah, he says like, he says like I want you to know because like she shoots him. She like has a little break and she shoots him with her Gatling gun. And then, then she immediately, he's like, she runs over, she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, are you okay? And, like, runs over, and then he's dying, and he says, like, I want you to know, like, I was never going to give you up. I will burn them. I would have burned them all down. Yeah. Or he says something like that before giving you up.
1: Um, And it's one of those things we don't really know, but I guess I would be leaning, if I had to choose, it's so ambiguous. If I had to choose, I'm leaning more towards that he really would not have given her up.
0: I, I agree.
1: I'm actually leaning towards Vander and Silco are the same person. And Silco probably realized it in that moment.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I and, do think that.
1: And you called that scene out where he's at the Vander statue, which makes sense that he realized it in that moment. I actually am a mirror of you. Like we're the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's talking to him, and he even like he pours he like pours liquor out like because mm-hmm. Vander statue is like on a fountain, and there's a little fountain under there, and mm-hmm. he's drinking and he's talking to himself, and it's he's like talking to Vander, and then there's a point where he like pours the liquor out into the fountain, and um.
1: Yeah. So I think that's our answer. I think that's my answer is that he he wasn't actually going to give Jinx up.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think he I think what he I don't think he was lying. I think although he would do whatever it takes to get what he wants. Yeah, I think that what what that means in that moment is like, even though the easy way to have been given Jinx up and he gets everything he wants, I think he would have been like, well, no, I'm going what I want is to keep Jinx. And still have everything yep. have everything else I want. So I'll just go to war and burn you all down.
1: He's definitely that kind of guy anyway. He's definitely the cruel ultimatum type of guy. Like, I'll just have my cake and eat it too.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I like. We said, we he's a great villain in general. Very intimidating. Something else I like, though, and we, we see this a lot, is when villains don't inspire loyalty. I hate when you just have villains that are so quick to just kill their subordinates. Like, right away, they're like, oh, well, but, And they're like, you have... Like the ultimate downfall of like a lot of the villain groups is that they don't have the loyalty and the friendship of the hero groups and yeah. so that's why the villain groups always lose and this guy even though he is dirty and like can will backstab people he does have a loyalty to sir so even in the scene that you were talking about where um Sevica cuts the other guy and he says like did you think about it when he's talking to them he's like what you guys don't understand is loyalty and he's like and I I still believe in loyalty <laughs> When Sevica has the sword up above him and he's saying, like, I still believe in loyalty. She slashes it down and she does not slash him. She slashes the the guy with the golden jaw.
1: Yeah. I do, I that scene is amazing because he doesn't. I don't know. It's just something about how confident he was in that moment. And then that question he asked her is so pointed. Did you think about it for a little bit? Yeah. Like, was yeah. There, was and, there a moment where you tempted?
0: And when he asked it, it almost felt like he
1: wouldn't have been mad if she said yes. I know. It, it definitely felt like it is what it is. Yeah. He and he also, you know what? You're right about that. There's a there's another scene with Silka where he says something along the lines of, "I've gambled with my life already. Like that's nothing to me to do that. Like gambling with mm-hmm. my life, I've been doing that since forever." Yeah, yeah. So all of these situations that I'm put in where people are like, "But you could die," he's like, "That's just par for the course at this point." Yeah. <laughs> like he does say something along those lines. and when, I don't know who he's talking to. I forget exactly the circumstances of it. But he literally says. Like, I have been putting my life on the line this entire time. Have have you not been watching, basically?
0: Yeah, yeah. So. So.
1: Yeah, but it ends with Jinx killing him, which is poetic. And then she, you know, her sister and Caitlyn, they survive. Caitlyn's knocked unconscious. By the
0: way, I I watched the whole show. I synced it with with my girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. Immediately after it ended, the first thing she says to me is, 90% 90% of the bodies in this show are from Jinx. Yes. She was like Jinx killed everybody in this fucking yes. show.
1: Yo, the firelights, the uh when they got wiped out by those little fucking green bug things that were moving around the city. And they yeah. all come on the bridge and they wipe out a bunch of enforcers. They killed Marcus, a ton of enforcers, kill some of the firelights, uh fuck up Echo. They like that, that part too. Like, she's definitely responsible for so many bodies. She kills six enforcers on a blip in her first scene. And she's like, oh, yeah, I did do that. She's, and she starts going down a list of other shit that she did. Um, she's really murderous. And it's so, again, the, the stark contrast between Powder and Jinx. Like I said, I, at first I had a hard time. When the time skip first happened, I was like, how the fuck did this character go from Powder, who I just watched for three episodes, to this? I was this is, this is way too much. And I, and that's because I was looking for, at it through the scope of a character who developed into a psychopath like that, but that's not what happened. It was literally someone having a psychotic break, they become murderous, they're not even really the same person. She's strong, she has an identity crisis, basically, between Powder no. and Jinx, and uh, at the end, so now- That, that scene that, is so good. At the actual end Go of the ahead. show, she's traumatized again, because now she's lost Silco, who, she already lost her old family in the prologue, and now she's lost Silco- and basically, an epilogue of this season, and she's the one who killed him. And she's struggling between Vi, this whole relationship that Vi has with her. The voices in her head telling her that Vi is not your sister anymore, and Vi's pleading and saying, "I've always chosen you. It's always been me and you. I'm here for you no matter what." And like I believe Vi, like obviously, it's yeah. we know Vi is uh sincere. Like we know that from mm-hmm. the, from the perspective that we've been giving, we've been given throughout the show. We know that Vi has always been sincere. We've gotten to see scenes that. Powder slash Jinx has not. Every time she walks away, her sister's defending her, but she doesn't always hear it. So we know when she's pleading with her sister that she's sincere, but Jinx is still struggling with that because she's actually heard her sister call her Jinx, and she didn't hear her defend when Milo was speaking, and then she decides to just say, fuck it. Like It's so crazy because the peace deal, at the same time Uh. that Jinx loads her fucking nuke gun with the hex core... The peace deal is being voted on, and everyone unit like it's a unanimous vote that the nation of Zon will be a thing. Like they will be independent, there will be peace broker between. I guess Silco will be like the leader and the, the top of Piltover. That's gonna actually be a thing. It, the dream is real, the dream has been achieved. They voted on it, it's all there, everyone's light went up. And as that's happening, Jinx fires her new fucking super amped weapon.
0: This when you see the line going across the sky,
1: even the way the blast was charged up and the art style changed, it changed like oh, oh, it changed to like anime esque. And then the the fucking shark cannon that she fired, the dragon cannon or whatever it was, it shoots out that big ass blue blast, and then you do like you see you see it slowly going across the moon. It's so beautiful, very artsy, and you even see Mel. You know, Mel raises her hand, and as the blast is approaching the council room, uh, Mel's back lights up and she kind of like looks back and then it just it just goes off as the blast is literally about to crash through the window if that blast connects everyone in that room is probably going to die obviously and i was as i was watching the finale in that scene i was like holy shit this is good like this is so because they worked so like soko works so hard everyone works so hard for what they've accomplished and it's finally there and jinx is about to ruin it all like,
0: She's about the jinx at all. She, she, has, she doesn't even, once again, she doesn't even realize she has no that idea. on the other side of the door, like, things were going to be okay. Yep.
1: She has no idea. And that's consistent with her character. And her timing is terrible. She has terrible timing. I think that's like, I mean, that just is her character's terrible timing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, man, when she fires that blast, you see that entire room of people about to be killed. I thought to myself, wow, are they really about to kill Mel, Jace? And, you know, the other council people, I don't really care about them like that. But the one guy's like a robot where he said his whole yeah. race was like fucked up by something. And I'm interested in his character because he seems to be he low-key gives me evil vibes, too. There's a lot of interesting people in that room. And also her I, mom is in Noxus. Or not in Noxus. Her, her mom is in Piltover. So if she dies there, it might cause a war.
0: Yeah, I do think season two is going to happen. And I think that for sure that explosion is going to go off. I think... A lot of people in that room are going to die, but if they all die, I think Jace is going to survive. However, it'll happen. I think Jace is going to yeah, survive.
1: Yes, somebody's going to survive, and they might have to use some technology. To like, they're like, because they're going to be fucked up regardless, right? Yeah, there might, there might be something where like Jace has to use mechanical body parts. As we saw, we got a little glimpse of that with Victor. He can now walk and shit, and he can actually run. Yeah, uh, thanks to the hex core kind of fusing with Shimmer and fusing with him. So there's some shit. The hex core seems to be evolving. And yeah, they said it's that all it can,
0: nasty and shit.
1: They said that it can learn. So it's like a living, breathing, like it's living, breathing technology at this point. And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. It might have a symbiotic relationship with Victor. I see something. Victor already, he already looked like he could be a character that turns evil um, or, yeah. or turns corrupted. Like I wouldn't be surprised by that. The name Victor is also synonymous. Typically with characters who are not good, it's just one of those names It has that sound to it, Victor. Like you can easily see him being an evil character down the line. And then Jace is the only person that can get through to him later. You know, that whole storyline could be easily yeah. seen. Uh, but the yeah, show was fantastic. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: The show was fantastic. The one scene right before she shoots the the shark cannon, I think that's her ultimate in League of legends. Oh shit. Um, yeah. I think that's her old. So the scene before that, like during the, the tea set scene, I love where she has the two chairs, the powder and jinx chair. And then when she finally sits in the jinx chair, that shot is fucking looks so sick. Yes. She's like talking. She's in that chair. Another scene, just to jump back real quick, because we didn't touch on it. And I just want to talk about it quickly. Um, in terms of, there was a a bunch of fight scenes. A lot of them look dope, but the fight scene where Jace and Vi are like raid the um raid where they're making Shimmer and yeah. Jace has the hammer and Vi has a so fucking good dog. They're going ham. That part
1: me. was so fucking good. Also, when uh, Vi fights against Sevika in the bar, yes. that scene was fucking fire. They are rumbling. Yes, and the part where uh, Vi gets over a bit on Sevika, she throws up against the wall hard as shit. I mean, she fucks her up nicely. And she runs in to like finish the job, but there's like a board in front of Sevika, and the blade comes out right in Vi's (laughs) face. It's it's actually a parallel to the scene where the blade was in her face in episode one, and she stops. And then it starts fucking slicing up the board, and then Sevika breaks through it, and then she sticks the blade up through... Uh, Vi's arm and fucks up the mm-hmm. one arm so she has to take off that gauntlet. I, that entire fight in that bar was so hot. Like the, an- freaking... the animation, oh. the choreography, then the, the part that you're talking about where Jace and Vi are fighting all of the fucking uh, Shimmer Power people and everything. Again, him with the hammer which I didn't expect him to be so like good at, it, good at
0: fighting I, with it. I want to say I love that whole scene. It animated beautifully. It looked sick. But... My reaction when the him was done was, when did Pretty Boy learn how to fight? Like, Yeah,
1: I just wasn't expecting it. And then when he started firing that shit like a Gatling gun, I was like, huh, okay. Like, I'm not surprised that he's strong enough to wield it because they showed him with his shirt off in a fucking factory, you know, pulling down some heavy-ass artillery and all that stuff. So I get that he's strong. Like, his family, he said his family, they're hammer makers. They're brutes. So he's the smart one. So I'm not surprised that he's able to wield it. It's just more so the way he wields it. I was like,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. And Tristan, he wields it. He wields it like he's been in some real fights. And the story up to that point didn't lead me to believe. Yeah, he he's a warrior. He
1: was very clearly Robert Baratheon in that moment. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Robert Baratheon apparently uh, with the hammer shattered Rhaegar Targaryen's chest and caved his chest in. So yeah, I uh, I really like I like all the characters. They're all so deep and intricate. A lot of them leave you guessing, like Mel still trying to understand her completely. She's so interesting. The fox and, a, and the wolf. Her mom, who's come to Piltover basically for new weaponry because, you know, her brother, like Mel's brother was murdered and there's a war coming to Noxus. And you got Victor, who's basically developing a symbiotic relationship with the hex Corps, by keeping it on a low. He's also in talks with the one guy who is like the villain behind the scenes. Who was also somewhat controlling Soko or like helping Soko and a mentor to him as well. You have Caitlyn, her complicated relationship with the high, the the high ground and like the the bottom, uh and her parents and all of that stuff and classism. And then you have Jace, who's also trying to do the right thing, but sometimes he oversteps and then he actually killed the child. So he now he's understanding what it's like. But he's in like, the one scene where they say, You never had to look this in the face, but this shit's been going on forever. Like
0: Yeah. That's yeah, not Jesus. Like you know, th- enough. This is done, and Vi's like, "No, you've been part of this the whole time. Yeah, you just didn't have to look at it.
1: Yep." And then Jinx's character and how I really don't, I don't think that Jinx is redeemable. If I'm being honest, I think that this character is set on. She's going to be this way forever. I think that she's always going to be until she dies, if that ever happens. But I think that she's always going to be this demented, maniacal character. I don't, I don't it, think there's any. It's
0: hope a tragedy because you know where she came from, and you know that it's just. It really isn't anybody's fault. It's a series of really unfortunate yes. circumstances. Yep. And you yes. look at it and you're just like, man, like everything could be okay. And you just, yep. you know that it's not going to be everything okay. that could
1: go wrong went wrong. And so she's a victim of that. And then Vi, who's literally just trying to save her sister, the last family, like that's the only family she has left. And uh, that's her younger sister at that. It's really hard to see. But it, it, the, the show, it's a really good show. Like, it's it's really, really good. And I'm glad that it's a thing. I can't wait till season two. I know it's going to get renewed if it hasn't already. I think it. Yeah. It's, I think yesterday I saw something saying that season two of Arcane is in the works already.
0: Yeah, there's no way it's not getting a season two. Like, yeah. everybody, a ton of people have seen it. I know that it, it did well on Netflix's ratings. Everybody spoke highly about it. Uh, in contrast, right after for anybody that saw our last episode the Cowboy Bebop episode we talked with the live action literally the day after we shot that episode it got announced that uh it's being canceled and it won't get a season 2
1: yeah
0: um in contrast though arcane is getting a season 2 like, it's not it's not even
1: so if you haven't honest. if for some strange reason you haven't seen arcane yet please watch it it's very fucking good uh uh but now that's over with, we do want to transition into two things I want to do before we close out this episode. So I want to go into giving a shout out to our patrons over on Patreon as always. So if you want to subscribe to us on Patreon at I Am Their Podcast please do so. We have exclusive content. We're dropping an exclusive episode. Patreon only tomorrow. And yeah, we have all kinds of shit on there. So check that out. And There's... Not, not tomorrow. Oh yeah, not tomorrow. Oh. It'll, be, it'll be Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It'll be Tuesday. But yes, you're right. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow. Well, I guess
0: it'll be tomorrow for them because they're going to hear this on
1: Monday. Yeah, so I guess I was I speaking. Whatever. I was it. speaking, <laughs> yeah. It'll be Tuesday, but I was speaking <laughs> with that in mind, strangely enough. That's strange. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So as for patrons, we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garen, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Bursette, Vinny Casello, Dominique Roberts, Giovanni Avalos, Game Freak Yoshi, and Alex Flamer. Thank you guys yes, so yes. much. As always, your contributions go a fucking really long way in helping us with this podcast and supporting us. And we really appreciate it. Not even just monetarily, but the fact that you guys are willing to like support the podcast. I guess you guys really like it. And that just means a lot. So I really appreciate that, as always. Thank you. Uh, I want to read some listener letters. We've had a couple that have been kind of sitting because we've done episodes with where we had a guest and stuff. So let's get into the first one is from Alex Flamer. Uh, so Alex says, Hey guys, my cousin convinced me to buy my first Nintendo Switch about two months ago, but I still haven't played it yet due to school. I was on the fence of buying one because I felt like I've outgrown video games, unless they're ones I've really adored from my childhood. I was wondering if you would be interested in spending an episode talking about why you will want to buy a Nintendo Switch, its features, the luxury it has to your lives, and your best experiences with it. So, we can certainly do an episode on a Nintendo Switch, but if you listen to the podcast in general, Kenny and I talk about the Switch probably more than any other game system actually. Um this podcast is as of right now cuz I like I'm a big PlayStation fan. It's the system that resonates with me the most in my childhood. I guess like that and the Game Boy. Um but mostly like I for the most part like Sony has had my heart more than anything. But lately Nintendo has been really killing it with the Switch and that's because I think the idea of a portable system that can also be turned into a household console is brilliant. I don't think that there's anything better than that tech- technology wise I think that this is like I think the Switch is the best idea for a game system. Period. It is a handheld that is also a console. The graphics scale upwards. It's fantastic. It's it's like I was going to Vegas in May and uh I was on a plane Me my friend Xavier, who's also a patron, and my friend Gus, we were on a plane and we wanted to play Monster Hunter Rise, which had come out relatively recently in May. And we were able to play Monster Hunter on this five-hour plane ride to Vegas. And that is just so cool to me because I normally play it docked with Kenny. Like, at the time, we were playing docked, you know, at our home setups in front of our computers in 1080p. And then when, when I was on the go, I was able to just take it and play it handheld. That... Idea, like Nintendo has always been the best at making handhelds, no question. Like the PSP was close to being one of the, the it is one of the best handhelds ever. But still, Nintendo just has always had that on lock. And for them to find a way to merge those lanes of console gaming with handheld gaming, I even said at one point, I think that Xbox and Sony, like Sony and Microsoft, they need to do this. They need to actually just steal this idea and just do it because it's that good to me to be able to take your game. That's like it literally has inspired the Steam Deck.
0: Yeah. It's, I agree with everything Fraser said. The fact that I travel, um, look, whenever I go to a family's house for a family party, family get together, Thanksgiving just passed, I'll be doing it again on Christmas and then on New Year's. Uh, the Switch is so good because I just bring, it's, it's a small console. Look, it's not big and clunky. I can just easily bring it with me, put it in my bag and, um.
1: Yeah, i take Smash I Go there. to a friend's house.
0: Yeah, whenever I go, it's great. Like, I can play on the way there. I have tons of games. I love uh, Des Gaia, which is a game that you can grind a lot in. So it's a good sort of on-the-go game. Monster Hunter's really fun. And then you have party games like Mario Party or Smash or yep. Mario Kart. Um, all awesome. these games are just really fun. They're great to play with a group of people. And the fact that the Switch is so portable, it's so easy to bring to somebody else's house and, like, play a little party game. It's so easy to bring on a train or on a plane and just, you know, play a little bit of Zelda or a little bit of Monster Hunter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I endorse it. Like, I, it's my favorite console at the moment for sure. I
1: also love that the Switch is a portable RPG device. It has every Final Fantasy on it. 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 2, 12. It also has all the Kingdom Hearts now.
0: It has a version of Final Fantasy 15. So, there's so Final Fantasy fifteen came out. I think it's called like Pocket Edition or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as I understand, it is the entire game of FF fifteen. It is the whole story, but it's like it was made for like cell phones and it's like chibi type graphics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as I understand, a it scale is scale back. Yeah. It is fifteen, but they they I think upscaled it and then released FF fifteen Pocket Edition on Nintendo Switch. Okay. So although it's not. The PS4, right? FF15. If you just were interested in playing, like, if you wanted to play in a JRPG, um, and you wanted the story and everything, as far as I understand, FF15 is an experience you can have on the Switch.
1: Yes. So for me, it's someone who loves PS4, RP-
0: but
1: someone who loves R- as for, for me, someone who loves RPGs, the Switch is amazing just for the fact that there's all of these cool RPGs on it. There's Dragon Quest,
0: Octopath Traveler, Bravely Oct- Default the Oh, I
1: stand by both of those you just said. I love Octopath Traveler. I still. I want Kenny to play that really bad. It's such a good game. Um, so many, there's so many good games on the Switch for me. You just have to find, I don't know what gaming means to you now, Alex, as an adult, because like I know when we were younger, you know, we spent most of our time playing Yu Gi Oh! and that's kind of where I started this. I, I wasn't gaming as much during my time playing Yu Gi Oh! but now I'm starting to get back into gaming and I had to figure out where I belong because I'm not a first person shooter guy. So gaming has gone into this era of first person shooting is like really popular, like Fortnite and all these other games that basically are just doing the Fortnite thing on a pub thing. I'm not really into that. So I had to figure out like, where do I belong in all of this? Cause I also don't really care for some of the other games that have come out, but you know, games like God of War still speak to me. The new one, that, the newest one that came out on PS4, that game. I love that game. Uh, smash. I love it. I follow all the content for smash. I was watching summit before this podcast was recorded. Summit for melee, um, 20 year old game still going. So I love, you know, I love smash ultimate. I love smash in general. Uh, I've just recently found that I like Mario party. Thanks to Kenny, bringing it over to a friend's house during Thanksgiving week and all the Final Fantasies, all the Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I want to play Xenoblade Chronicles, even though I heard that game is long as hell, but I want to play that.
0: It's very long, but it is one of the best RPGs I've ever played. Yeah. It is fucking stellar.
1: There's so many, like, I just have to figure out where I am as a gamer at. The biggest part of me that games now is just Monster Hunter. Every time a Monster Hunter game comes out, you can guarantee that I'm going to buy the console that it's on. So I originally bought a real Switch because of Monster Hunter. And yeah, I mean, that is sold it for me like this. I think milestone is the best milestone game ever created. It has the most quality of life improvements. It's just world, but portable. And also with better on that note,
0: they they showed another sunbreak trailer uh, at the game awards. And um, at the end of the trailer, it said like massive expansion. And my one friend, like he thought that was just like a buzzword. I was like, no, from what I understand, it's going to like double the content in the game.
1: If not more than double, but yes, it is going. I have, no doubt in my mind that Nintendo, they, not Nintendo, but Capcom does this thing where they hold back and they like, like the first installment, they know we're going to buy it no matter what. So they like, they hold back a lot. And then that second one just hits so hard.
0: Yeah. And by hold back, it's not like the game didn't already have 300 hours of content. In it.
1: Oh, it was so, I mean, we played it in stop 16 hour days and I was a yeah. full time accountant. So it's still am. but like, yeah. So the Switch is a fantastic device for me. You just have to figure out if it's also that for you. For people who play Pokemon, I understand that it's an amazing device as well. Like people who play the current gens of Pokemon, they seem to love it. My timeline is filled with people who are playing Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, whatever they're called, and uh, yeah,
0: and Sword and Shield. I'm, you know, whatever the next Pokemon game is, that's going to sell really well as well. Um, yeah, it, it. Like Fraser said. I highly suggest it, and I've run into this problem, especially when I stream. Somebody will show up to my stream and they'll say, should I buy this game? And my answer is, well, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you like. I, I, now I do know who you are, Alex, but I don't know everything that you like or everything that you're into. Um, so I'm going to explain everything that I love about it, and if that sounds like it makes sense to you, then buy it. If not, then, you know, don't buy it. But, yeah, the Switch, everything that we've said, it's I think <laughs> it's extremely worth it. One of the best consoles uh, that are out. Yeah, it's quote unquote underpowered compared to the PS5, but it does something the PS5 can't do, and that you can play it on a plane. You know what I mean? You can yeah. do things, and it still offers great experiences. Like Breath of the Wild is just as good, if not better, than you know any other open world game you would play on the PS4 or PS5. Yeah. Um. It's just you know it's it's its own thing. So it's a great game. You just got to figure out the genres that you like. What are you still into? What do you enjoy doing? Um, yeah. What could like be what kind of gamer? People?
1: What kind of game are you is the real question, because a lot of ge- like the Switch has, I feel like something for everyone.
0: For sure. For sure. Same. And just and maybe you maybe you're not sure what games you're still into because you said, you know, you fell be falling out of love with it. So just try a couple things, you know, try try some of the safe stuff. Try, you know, a Mario Kart or try if you like RPGs. I know back in the day, from what I remember, you liked the Battle Network, the Mega Man Battle Network games. Oh, from yeah. what I remember.
1: I do remember I don't that. know if that's true.
0: I don't know if that translates to other RPGs, but, you know, like Frazier said, there are so many RPGs on the Switch that are worth trying out, so. Yeah.
1: All right, next one is from Vincent Zen. He said, I recommend you and Kenny watch two anime that came out this year. One is uh, Taxi and the other is Mushoku Tensei. Uh, Taxi is a 12-episode mystery anime. Uh, Mushoku Tensei is a fantasy drama with a good amount of Ichi? Ichi? Ecchi, ecchi, okay. Is
0: it Mushoku Tensei? Is that Jobless Reincarnation?
1: It is. It's the one that I'm actually currently watching. Yeah. Yep. So, okay, he goes on to say the first half of Mushoku Tensei aired earlier this year and the second half is currently airing. I know, uh, stuff can put off a lot of people. What does that mean, by the way?
0: Etchy it means, like, pervy. Uh, like ah. panties, bras, you know, okay. side boob. So what I'm um, used to so, seeing
1: in pretty much every shounen I've ever watched.
0: Yeah, etchy like, is just like, it has like, per, it's not like hentai, you know, but it's just like, it's yeah. some pervy
1: things. Yeah, 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 so I'm used to seeing that and everything. I know etchy stuff can put a lot of people, can put a lot of people off, but I promise Mushoku Tensei is a really good story with great development and these two are my top contenders for anime of the year. Personally, I prefer Mushoku Tensei, but both are amazing. An important criteria worth mentioning is the Crunchyroll Anime Awards only considered newly aired anime for the award. Otherwise Attack on Titan or One Piece would win every single year. I'm also curious to know if you guys will make a year in review podcast where you talk about your top five or top 10 favorite nerdy things that have come out this year, whether it be anime, video games, movies, TV shows, etc. So a couple things. I am currently watching. Shukutense. I took a break from it. I started it. I got to like episode four. I fell in love with it immediately. I stopped because I had to uh watch other content for the podcast. But now that I'm through with Arcane, I'm through with a lot of other stuff that we went through like Cowboy Bebop. I'm actually going to go back to that now. I also caught up on My Hero, so that podcast will be coming next year.
0: Yo, I caught up, like, two... I was only, like, five weeks behind, but, like, the other night, I caught up with One Piece and My Hero. I had, like, five chapters in each, and Jesus Christ.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, uh, I will be catching up on Mushoku Tensei. I will be finishing both Season 1 and Season 2 soon. Uh, Also, I heard of Atax. I heard it's pretty good, but I heard it might not be for me. So, I'll check out the first two episodes is what I typically do. It's only 12 episodes, so I might be able to just, like... Go through it all in one day. If What's it's it called? Time. I Taxi? Odd Taxi. Odd. Okay. Odd Taxi. Odd. I heard it's good, though. Gary said it was good, specifically. Okay. Yeah, Gary. I'll check it out. 12, yeah, episodes Gary, 12 episodes. So, Kenny, if you're going to check it out, let me know, because I will pivot to that, and we can just both watch it, and then it'll be an episode. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, I can try watching it. Uh, You know, I'll see ya. Yeah, I can try watching I'll let you know. Uh, I might end up watching an episode or two tonight is okay. the point that's, that I'm trying that, to get that, to. That's, yeah, i but, let you know.
1: If you binge it, that's fine. Just, I just want to know, like, it means, so that way I'd know, like, okay, I could pivot to that.
0: As for JavaScript reincarnation, uh, Fraser suggested that a, a while ago, and I actually did end up watching all the episodes that were out at the time. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, it's
1: an isekai, so we both like that genre.
0: We could talk about it. I will say that I agree that it actually has some really good story points, and um, it has some things in it that I do really like. But in terms of, like, the etchy or the pervy, there were... And in general, I don't that shit doesn't bother me at all. However, there are aspects of it in this show where I was like, man, that was really fucking cringy and rapey. Like, there were some things that I saw I was like, man, that was... It, it, it just felt a little over the top. I was like, I don't know. that." Like, I felt like the show would be a lot better. It could still have the pervy stuff. But in some of the instances, I was like, why is that so rapey?
1: Yeah, I got that feel too. And Japan's culture is way different than our culture. So I tried to look at it from that lens, but it is hard to not see some of the problematic things there uh at least problematic here things but there was
0: a lot of other things that i did like like in terms of some of the characters and the stories and where it went i was like man this would be a really dope just fantasy show overall yes i kind of wish it didn't have some of these other aspects the concept
1: of mushoku tensei is so good i guess yeah we will do an episode on this anime so let's not get too crazy about it it. yep uh if if anything because season oh he says season two is currently airing so
0: yeah, I don't think I saw season two. I think yeah. I saw 12 episodes, wherever well, that leaves me.
1: Well, season one. So if if yeah. season two is currently airing, then we can hold off on that and then just do our taxi because that actually is finished. Yeah. Because I don't want to do Mushoku Tensei and then we just, all we do is catch up to it. I like, guess like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I so agree. we can wait until season two is finished and then I'll watch all of it and then we'll do a podcast episode on that one. We'll do one for our taxi since it's only 12 episodes and it's new and you have it highly rated. And I've also had it highly rated from my friend Gary. And as for the podcast where we do like a year in review of all things that came out this year that were nerdy or nerd related, uh, a hundred percent, Kenny and I are actually going to do that as one of the last podcasts of 2021. So we're going to do one episode a week, the last, like the last two weeks of the year, because it's like Christmas and new year's, we're going to be with our families. We're going to be busy with other stuff like that. So we're going to do one episode those weeks. And one of those episodes will for sure be, uh, uh, like a wrap up, like a year end wrap up. Like we'll talk about My Son and Rise came out, Brave Default came out. Uh, po- you know, yeah. a, a bunch of stuff. We're gonna,
0: we yeah, we plan on going through like all the episodes we did this year, just like quickly looking at them, talking about them briefly, looking at maybe things we didn't get a chance to. Just uh, what you said, a year end wrap up, yeah. looking over a bunch of stuff that we really liked this year, maybe some things that we didn't like. Yep. Um. But yeah.
1: So. If you guys want us to read your listener letters like we just did on the podcast, please write into I am Podcast at gmail.com and we may read it a lot on the show. Uh, typically, we read every single one that we get. So, you know, look into that. Yeah. If you if that's don't
0: read them, sometimes we won't read them like directly the episode after you send them just because of certain, but we do eventually read all of them. It might yeah. be like two episodes later.
1: Exactly. But. So, so yeah, I mean, send them in I am Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Kenny and I will discuss it. It could be a question. It could be if you want some advice on a situation like Alex did on his switch. If you want life advice that, you know, something funny might have happened that's triggering to you that you just want us to talk about. Kenny and I are people outside of this podcast. So we have experienced a lot of shit. We have funny takes on a lot of things. If you just want to vent about something, if you just want to talk about some random shit, that's fine, too. Like, we're all ears for that. I, I love that type of stuff. So we're open to discuss pretty much anything.
0: 100%. Uh,
1: yeah. And that wraps up episode 38 of the I'm There podcast on arcane i hope you guys enjoyed this episode we will be talking about the game awards uh, hopefully in our next episode because some stuff happened with that too but we didn't get a chance to get to it and like we're this podcast right now is already over two hours so i don't want to hold you guys too long and yeah as I always say do the things that make you happy and i hope you guys so are about to enjoy the holidays
0: so long by curious bowser
1: <laughs> so long on the spectrum bowser